0: From the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide, in Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang.
1: in new york in for emily chang and this is blueberg technology coming up in the next hour one week later twitter is no longer getting a new board member and elon musk what might have changed the biggest shareholder of the company's mind plus rising inflation with the war in ukraine still raging on we'll see how it's felt across the pond and how crypto could potentially help and we'll go to the floor of the nasdaq for a conversation with the head of us listings and revenue to get a look at the current ipo market and how all this volatility is affecting filings We'll get to all of that in but a moment, but first let's get a look at the markets and who's here to do it, Richard Gupta.
2: Yes, well, Caroline, not a great start to the week for US equities. You see the SP 500 finishing the session down some 1.7%, the Nasdaq 100 underperforming down some 2.3%. Of course, a big part of this has to do with the yields that we're seeing surging, both the nominal yields and that real yield, which stripping out inflation, that we're seeing become increasingly less negative. So we're looking at that 10-year real yield at negative 0.15%. And the question really is here, When that real yield does turn positive, what is that going to do to the stock picture? Now, speaking of stocks, let's drill into some individual movers. It's not all doom and gloom in the tech space. I'll point you to some moving higher. Of course, Twitter, what a volatile ride in the past 24 hours, initially slumping pre-market on the news that Elon Musk, well, he's not going to be joining the board after all, but then reversing that course of shares, actually ending the session higher on this idea that he's going to perhaps now increases activist state, perhaps pushing for some even bigger changes. I'm also looking at Sellpoint here. This is uh, the cybersecurity firm. This is absolutely surging. It's going to be acquired by Toma Brava, the private equity firm. This is going to value the company $6.9 billion. A lot of interest in cybersecurity right now, both with the work from home, remote options, and also, of course, the Russia-Ukraine war. Some movers to the downside, Nvidia pushing some of those chip makers lower. It's got a downgrade from bad, citing some weak demand outlook, and then Riot Blockchain. So this move stock moving in sympathy with the Bitcoin, we saw below that $40,000 threshold. And that brings me to my terminal chart. So I'm looking at the correlation between Bitcoin and tech stocks, which has actually reached a record high. So you can see on the, my right here that green on your screen, a very positive relationship here. And it really kind of pours some cold water over this idea that Bitcoin is going to be a good diversifier in your portfolios, at least for now. So you have the founder of BitMEX He's saying that, you know what, he thinks that Bitcoin could actually go down to 30000 if this tech
1: stock route continues, Caroline, so we'll have to wait and see for that. Thank you. Perhaps a little bit more of a risk asset than an inflation hedge right now. And let's discuss that a little bit more because, while well, amid the war in Ukraine, it rages on. Consumers on both sides of the Atlantic currently tightening their belts due to the rising costs this puts on them, particularly at the gas pump, for example. A key question that many have been talking about is where is the store of value? Is it gold? Is it digital gold, for example? Let's talk about all of that with our next guest, John Glenn, UK Economic Secretary to the Treasury, of course MP, it's wonderful wonderful to have you here, Minister. And I'm interested, first and foremost, about what, as some people have said, is the red carpet being rolled out in the United Kingdom at the moment to cryptocurrencies, to innovation of that sort.
3: Mm. Why? Well, I think we've got to accept that this is going to be a great opportunity. Um, We've got to uh, regulate to innovate, though. So we've gripped it in the UK. I made a speech last Monday. And I announced a number of interventions. We want to bring industry together with our regulator, with government, so we can work out the best steps to take this uh, interesting phenomena forward, because it has many applications, both for financial services and to the wider economy. And uh, so I'm excited about that, and I'm pleased that we're able to get that engagement with industry, both here and in London, in order to drive it forward.
1: Let's talk about here in New York and Mm. the meetings you're having with SEC, Federal Reserve. Uh, This has got to be a cross-Atlantic regulation because this is a global asset class.
3: Well, every jurisdiction will have a slightly different take on it. But I was here in the autumn and uh, I'm back here now, as you say, in Washington this week as well, talking to regulators, talking to government, but talking to industry as well to ensure that we meet expectations, that we think creatively about what we need to do to get this into the right place so that consumers have certainty that any risks are dealt with and faced up to Mm. and we can actually come to terms with some of the challenges in terms of how do we tax or do we tax in what way and how do we create a regulatory framework that is reliable and gives innovators some assurance about the future.
1: What do you make of talent and in particular I think of well, the Bank of England have been worrying about the scams that are in and involved within the crypto space. Mm. Andrew Bailey speaking out about that, the head of the Bank of England. Meanwhile, I think it was the Bank of England's fintech hub leaving to a crypto job. Are you seeing more jobs being grown there? Are you see, how do you see the sort of tension between institutional finance moving into the world of that?
3: Well, in the UK, we've been a global hub of fintech, and we've seen that to be very resilient. And I see in cryptocurrency and exchanges that are developing in the UK... A great opportunity um, yes it's right that we've got to get the right regulatory framework in place and Andrew Bailey's been very clear on that uh, we've got to come to terms with the promotions regime that uh, protects consumers but we've also got to embrace the opportunities of mm. new technologies and new phenomena and how it will apply to markets
1: let's talk about the phenomenon, the, the, the sensationalism in many ways, some people would say, of non-fungible tokens, NFTs. We've seen, of course, some valuations take a nosedive, but still a lot of interest. And what, I mean, we've got the Royal Mint looking to create an NFT. Mm. Just tell us, our audience, a bit about that.
3: Well, that was part of the announcement last week that the, the Chancellor w- wants us to create an NFT with, in partnership with the Royal Mint. And it's important that we pick up on the emblems of change that exist here and the opportunities that will exist in the future. So we've asked the Royal Mint to develop that NFT and we look forward to that happening by the summer.
1: I, of course, look at a time in the United Kingdom where my family on the phone talks day in, day out about the inflation, the cost of gas, electricity, what's happening in terms of the ramifications in many ways, of Mm. course, antagonized by the invasion of of Russia into Ukraine. But Mm. talk to us about, you know, how the UK feels right now. I'm looking at February, 0.1% growth, Mm. the economy being stifled. And that's before you even factor in the implications of the Russia-Ukraine invasion.
3: Well, clearly, these are incredibly challenging times. I think we all hope that we come out of COVID and we get to... Uh, brighter times. But that hasn't happened. What's happened in the Ukraine has had a, uh, you know, very difficult, uh, has a very difficult impact on, on the economy. And uh, we, are, we are seeing that. We also had global pressures in terms of uh, inflationary pressures, and that's playing out. It's playing out here in the U.S., it's playing out in the U.K. and uh, across the globe. And uh, these are challenging times for, for British consumers
1: challenging times for British consumers where they're being asked to burden heavier taxes, I mean, in particular, perhaps the the largest overall tax burden in the UK since the 1950s, Mm. and a time where they look to their own Chancellor of the Exchequer and feel he, Rishi Sunak, is perhaps out of touch with some of the burdens they're having to share. Mm. You are, of course, within the team of Rishi Sunak, and I'm Mm. wondering how, how he is dealing with the pressure that is currently upon him, upon his family, when, of course, many are worrying that his own family members haven't been paying their own tax that they should have been doing. And, and, and we look in particular at his wife, who, of course, has, is a billionaire, super rich in her own right, but many feel didn't pay UK taxes on her overseas earnings. How is that being digested?
3: Well, I think the Chancellor is an absolute professional in the way he's worked over these last two years. He was parachuted into this role at the start of a global pandemic and he's uh, worked tirelessly to provide interventions to support the British economy. Uh, I recognise these are challenging times for him uh, and his family, but he will come through them. But his focus is on doing what it takes to get the British economy into the right place through these very, very difficult times. And he's made a number of interventions dealing with the thresholds of when you start to pay national insurance and tax, support for the least well-off in society. Of course, there will be many who will say there's more to be done and he will look to to the future uh, fiscal events to address some of those concerns.
1: How do you feel when, as a member of, you know, Conservative Party, looking Mm. at really what ethically it's being judged at Mm. by at the moment, when we think of... The, the, the party gate, the the leader of your party went underwent. When we look at the Chancellor of Exchequer, who seemingly just doesn't seem to be in touch with reality, many people feel that, mm. and he's holding a green card at the same time as being Chancellor of the Exchequer, what sort of really tethering he has in the longer term to the country. And then you, of course, I mean, nothing to do with you, I realize, but certain, you know, today, just the unseating of, of an MP and, and a crisis election because of, you know, previous misdemeanors when it comes to sexual abuse. I mean, how does it make you feel when you're trying to stand up here in the US and defend your Conservative Party?
3: Well, I've been in this post for nearly four and a half years. I'm the longest serving economic secretary we've had in the UK. It's a great privilege to do this job. And I, like the chancellor, focus on the task in hand. I've done that through three chancellors. And uh, I've always been impressed by the professionalism of the people I've worked under. And there's no difference with Rishi Sunak, who's a first-rate boss, a first-rate chancellor i have absolute confidence in that he will come through these difficult moments and we will uh, you know, see what can be done in terms of future fiscal events of the budget
1: well come back tell us the story unfolding in the uk and indeed how you continue to embrace some change and certainly in the world of technology the uk economic secretary to the treasury that is john glenn meanwhile coming up it turns out that those twitter board meetings won't be so lit after all now that elon musk won't be joining the board we'll break down what happened in the last week and what happens well next this is Bloomberg. Well, a week feels like a month, doesn't it, with Elon Musk and Twitter? Just take a quick look at where things stood just one week ago, because last Monday, it was, of course, revealed that Musk held 9.2% stake in Twitter, making him the company's biggest shareholder. Well, the next day, Musk was invited to join Twitter's board of directors, which he accepted. We then learned Musk was delayed in reporting his new stake in Twitter and concerns that the SEC might start looking around. Twitter employees also started voicing concerns about well, having Musk's involvement and the influence he might have on the company. And then over the weekend, well, he's been tweeting about Twitter "Quote dying," then tweeted that Jeff Bezos about turning Twitter's headquarters into a homeless shelter. And on Sunday night, we learned that by Twitter, the CEO Paraga Agrawal that Musk won't be joining the board after all. After some pretty bad jokes on Twitter as well by Elon Musk, so we're going to dive into all of this. And the first angle we're going to look at is why Musk might have rejected the offer, in particular, to be on the board. Joining me now, John C. Coffee Jr., professor of law at Columbia University Law School, and. What an extraordinary story to be unfolding. And I'm interested at the moment, Professor, about, first and foremost, what you think is behind all of this. What is initially perhaps the rejection about?
0: Well, on one level, this looks like deja vu all over again, or Elon being Elon. He did this at Tesla when he didn't disclose, or he falsely disclosed that he had an offer to take the company private that Saudi Arabia was standing behind. He didn't have it, and when the SEC sued, he agreed that he'd put in the general counsel of the company as an intermediary between him and any public statement about the company. Now, he's never been happy with that. He's never really obeyed that. But now we're over at Twitter, and he's doing the same thing. He's under a legal duty to disclose when he crosses 5%. He eventually got up to near 10%. Think about all the people who sold in that interval between 5% and 10%, which could be $100 or more in terms of shares. Now, those people would have sold at a much higher price if he had disclosed that he was buying and that he was going on the board or that he was just becoming the largest shareholder of the company because he is basically the world's richest man and can buy what he wants. When he didn't disclose, they sold at a lower price than they would have gotten with fair disclosure. And some of those people may sue in a class action claiming that they were cheated by effectively insider trading when he bought the stock hmm. with disclosing uh information that he was required by law to disclose. Now you can debate both sides of that but it is likely to get either a private lawsuit or the SEC suing on behalf of those shareholders. Yes, um. has been concerned. They were concerned about some trading activities at Tesla when yes. he was traded heavily, but he was, uh, in effect, paging the shareholders, polling them, to see if they wanted him to change his ownership levels. There could be, the SEC, in the SEC's mind, a recurring pattern of close to the line or over the line insider trading violations, and that could bring a very serious lawsuit.
1: Professor, talk to us about fiduciary duty here, because... Many felt perhaps it was in any way, many ways defensive of Twitter to have brought him onto the board. At least it stops him perhaps building up the stake further than than any further than 14%, for example. However, what limitations would have it put on Elon Musk to his own communications, his own tweeting, well, if he indeed had joined the board?
0: Of course, I think the reason he did not go on the board was partly that uh, the CEO really couldn't tolerate some of the statements he was making. He, for example, tweeted the world he would like to have Twitter stop selling advertising. Now, that must have stunned the CEO because Twitter makes about 90% of its revenues from advertising. If you're the CEO, you just can't have anyone, including this richer man as a director, making statements without having them cleared by management, counsel, or anyone. Uh, so, that was one of about a half dozen. Mm. And I don't think the CEO could focus on long-term planning where he's going to get a daily barrage of comments in all directions from Elon Musk.
1: So just to walk us through, again, the legal ramifications here, you're expecting SEC and, indeed, perhaps private lawsuits lawsuits currently. I mean, it's something that Elon Musk has dealt with before, right? Different things
0: could happen. Different things could happen. There could be a class action by investors who sold during the period when he had not disclosed What he was supposed to disclose is greater than 5% ownership, which went up to 10%. The SEC could say also, uh, these statements really do amount to a material omission. You didn't disclose that you owned over 5%. You breached your legal duty. And we say that also could amount to insider trading. Or they could just say you made false and reckless statements. And
1: fines, Professor, would that be what comes of it?
0: I'm sorry. And
1: would the ramifications be fines or something worse?
0: Oh, if you are, uh, well, first of all, insider trading can be a criminal offence. The SEC can't charge a crime, but the Department of Justice conceivably could. Beyond that, the SEC can sue for damages equal to as much as three times the gain made or the loss averted. Here it would be a gain when he bought this stock. Mm. So, yeah. He didn't disclose at the outset when he crossed 5% what he was doing, and the SEC could see three times the gain on the stock between the 5% level and the 10% level. Now, he's the richest man in the world. That won't bankrupt him, Mm. but it's a painful amount to pay.
1: John Coffey, Jr., Columbia Law School professor. Fascinating conversation. Thank you very much. I want to stick with Musk and with the internal issues he was, of course, facing from Twitter. And welcome in Wedbush Securities Managing Director Dan Ives for what is... Another extraordinary story involving Elon Musk. And from your perspective, what happens now if he's not on the board?
4: Look, I think, you know, him being on the board, that was almost a Cinderella story. To the point that he'd be on the board, they'd limit his ownership to 15%, and, you know, strategically could help the company. Now, it's a total different situation. I view it as more hostile. I think he ups his stake going forward. And now the question is, does he team up with private equity and how active does he get? I mean, for Twitter, I think this goes from a Cinderella story to, to potentially Game of Thrones with, uh, you know, Musk and Twitter and the board mm. you know, clearly going to lock heads.
1: Great analogies there. What if they're going to lock heads? Do you anticipate, well, first and foremost, is your number one perspective that we do see some sort of buyout? Does Twitter eventually get bored or go private? What do you expect?
4: Look, I mean, before Musk is involved I mean, Twitter, you know, as a stock's been a significant underperformer, advertising has been extremely disappointing, which is why he's sort of the knight in shining armor, at least for investors in Twitter. You know, I think now the next step is going to be he's going to be allowed for us. I do not expect that he's going to go home, reduce his stake. And now there's going to be a bright spotlight on Twitter in terms of the strategy, the advertising that obviously have a, a key quarter coming up. And for Twitter, for, you know, for the board, it's their worst nightmare mm. because Musk in the boardroom is contained. Musk outside the boardroom, now this becomes a soap opera, get out the popcorn yeah. time.
1: I mean, he's an activist investor with 8 million who follow him on Twitter. And I'm interested as to what, therefore, you think can be damage limitations here. What, what will be the product innovations that potentially start happening?
4: Look, I think eventually this is going to sort of end with some sort of strategic initiatives. And now whether that ends with an ultimate sale, if that ends with maybe sunsetting some products, focus on some of the subscriber and, and advertising side, because that's that's the issue right now. I mean, they're losing Instagram, TikTok, and others in social media. Musk, that's not necessarily his expertise. But I mean, this is really going to, over the coming months and you know, I think year you're really going to be, you know, I think very tough situation for Twitter and sport if they somehow, you know, mis-execute again over the coming quarters.
1: Before you go, we've got time to just also think about the world of cybersecurity for a moment because I caught my attention was your note that you put out about SailPoint, of course, the the deal being done there and the purchase. What do you make of the focus and, and where to be putting your money at the moment in terms of cybersecurity?
4: I think it's a golden age for cybersecurity. It's a defensive area of tech. Look at SailPoint getting bought and, you know, Mandiant got bought by Google. You know, I look at names like Tenable, Palo Alto, CyberArk, uh, Checkpoint, among others, and I think in, it really just shows the value of cybersecurity. Public investors will sell the stocks, the strategic and financials will buy them.
1: Dan Ives, it's always so great to catch up with you with all the analogies mm-hmm. of Webbush. We thank you so much. We'll have more next. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> i Caroline Hyde in New York. This is Bloomberg Technology. Here are a few of the other stories that we've been following in Canadian e-commerce software firm. That's Shopify. Plans a 10 for one stock split. Now, we'll be giving CEO Toby Looker a special founder share that will preserve his voting power as long as he's at the company. Now, shares of Shopify, and they've been under pressure. Down, what, by half this year. But Ending the day, as you can see, a little bit higher. Sony and the owner of Lego Group. Now, those two companies have invested $2 billion in Epic Games the maker of Fortnite. The investment value is Epic at $31.5 billion. The video game maker is one of the five most valuable startups in the US. It's currently waging, of course, though, a costly legal battle with Apple and Alphabet over fees charged by app stores. China, meanwhile, has approved the first batch of new video game licenses since July. Bloomberg's learned that regulators have distributed a list of approved titles to developers. Last August, China's far-reaching tech crackdown spread to online gaming. The government introduced measures capping playtime for minors and new requirements aimed at curbing addiction. Coming up, as stocks continue to whipsaw, some big-name startups have slowed their rush to the public market. We speak with Karen Snow, head of the U.S. Listings and Revenue at the Nasdaq, to discuss the health of the IPO pipeline. That's next. Meanwhile, we're also going to be discussing Amazon's drones billions of dollars, and a decade later, has a retail giant's delivery by drone program actually faring? Spoiler alert, not great. More on that after the break. Meanwhile, let's check in what happened in terms of tech stocks today, because Amazon was one of the leading decliners on the downside in terms of points affected on the S&P and indeed on the Nasdaq. The Nasdaq currently saw off by, once again, more than two percentage points. So really, valuations under pressure as we see bond yields, borrowing costs continuing to rise the questioning of valuations in that particular space. Heady. From New York, this is Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg Technology, I'm Caroline Hyden for Emily Chang with several big names of course expected to go public this year. Some are kind of decelerating their efforts with a volatile market upon our hands. Joining us now to discuss all of this in the pipeline, how solid it is, Karen Snow, Senior Vice President and Head of US Listings and Revenue for the NASDAQ. Some fantastic to have some time with you Karen. And Talk to us about the solidity of the pipeline. How are we seeing companies? Are they just hunkering down, weathering until we do see an ease up in volatility, or is it something different?
5: Yeah, I think uh, companies are really uh, preparing uh, to go public. Uh, I think this year is going to be a situation where you see windows of opportunity, uh, and they want to be able to hit the market uh, when that window opens. Uh, We are starting to see signs of life What I would say is that um, we're very focused on the VIX, which is the volatility index. Uh, And when that um, is between or really below 25, uh, which is really where we like to see it, uh, 95% of companies go public uh, when it's below that level. So uh, we're very focused on that as a lead indicator as well as the convertible market, which has started to open up Uh, THE VIX HAS STAYED BELOW 25 FOR THE PAST uh, 18 SESSIONS, WHICH Mm. I THINK IS A GOOD SIGN. Uh, AND WE'RE STARTING TO GET INBOUND CALLS FROM COMPANIES THAT ARE LOOKING TO GO PUBLIC AT THE END OF APRIL, uh, EARLY MAY. WHAT KIND OF COMPANIES, KAREN? Uh, WELL, THERE ARE uh, A LOT OF INTEREST FROM CONSUMER COMPANIES. THAT'S ABOUT 37% OF THE PIPELINE. Uh, 22% are tech companies, 19% are healthcare companies, about 10% are financial companies, and the remainder are industrial and energy companies. So really good breadth and depth from and representation from the entire economy.
1: And when you're thinking about how it would be taken down by the market, it feels as though everyone's after an inflation hedge at the moment. And these companies sort of analyzing how they can tell that story in some way.
5: Yeah, I think it's important. Um, You know, valuations have adjusted for that inflation. Um, You know, companies uh, have to address the current pipeline situation um, with, you know, all the disruption. Um, So they they definitely have to have their ducks in a row, Uh, and Mm. I think there's no rush to go to the the public markets at the moment. There's plenty of ways to raise capital, Mm. Um, so people really want to make sure that they're ready. Uh, What I would say is that we see a very healthy pipeline. The pipeline for companies is greater than it was this time uh, last year, Mm. Uh, so we're very optimistic uh, about that. Talk to us about
1: whether or not there is a disconnect between the public markets and the private markets at the moment.
5: Uh, I THINK WE'RE STARTING TO SEE THAT CLOSE. Uh, YOU KNOW, WHAT I WOULD SAY IS THAT, uh, YOU KNOW, PUBLIC MARKETS TELL YOU EXACTLY WHERE THEY THINK THINGS BELONG. um, AND PRIVATE MARKETS RESPOND A LITTLE BIT uh, MORE SLOWLY TO THAT. Uh, I DON'T THINK THAT'S A BAD THING, BUT THAT IS, YOU KNOW, ONE OF THE KEY DIFFERENCES BETWEEN THE PUBLIC and, AND THE PRIVATE MARKETS. I THINK COMPANIES THAT ARE LOOKING TO GO PUBLIC UNDERSTAND THAT. Um, And they've gotten their heads around their current valuations and, and what the market expectations might be.
1: We've had, of course, a fascinating story in whichever way you want to slice it with what's happening between Elon Musk and indeed Twitter. And what many have looked at is perhaps a lack of a controlling stake by a founder, whereas we look at a Shopify, for example, today that's doing a stock split and, and making sure that the founder continues to maintain some sort of level of control. When companies are coming to the market at the moment, how are they looking at those sorts of narratives and the way in which companies are structured?
5: Yeah, well, what I would say is that ESG has become much more topical uh, for private companies coming to the market. We're spending a lot more time uh, with companies on the private side as they're preparing. Governance has always been um, very topical Mm. um, and, um, you know, it's really up to the company how they want to structure their business. Um, You know, investors, I think. Uh, will assign a discount or a premium based on uh, what they feel is the right structure.
1: You, of course, are an expert on the E and the S as well as the G. And I'm interested in the social path at the moment. That Now is a time more than any that we're thinking about humanity, really, when we're looking at Russia, Ukraine, when we're thinking about all the stakeholders, the way in which employees want to see their companies stand for something, when they see the, the customers want to see their companies stand for things. How are you seeing that being sort of exercised by businesses that are looking to list as well?
5: Yeah, well, there's a lot more conversation around um, stakeholder capitalism because of that. It's the entire ecosystem um, that is focused on it. And I think companies are recognizing that their customers, that their employees, uh, that their investors uh, are all focused on these issues and wanna make sure that um, wherever they work, wherever they shop, Um, that those brands uh, and companies are doing uh, the right thing, whatever that may be. And how about the E, the environmental?
1: Because suddenly it feels as though a country with an administration that was so focused on energy transition is suddenly having to think about, well, digging, oil, gas, what we're usually dependent on for our energy. And I'm interested as to what companies you're coming through. You said about what 10% or thereabouts were, were energy businesses. What kinds of energy businesses?
5: Yeah, well, we're seeing a lot of new energy. We're actually, um, you know, experiencing a lot of uh, transfers to NASDAQ and the utility sector as that um, whole sector transitions to new energy. Um, so we've been seeing this for quite some time. Um, I think the, the current climate um, has really uh, raised people's awareness um, as it relates to our dependency uh, on carbon. Uh, And then, of course, you have the SEC out with their um, climate change proposal. So there's a lot going on in the space. Um, This is a lot of bobbing and weaving and threading needles. But I don't think there's any doubt that our economy is transitioning uh, to new energy.
1: Well, Karen Snow, it's been great to have some time with you. I let you get back to the healthy pipeline and see as and when the companies come back. and I that VIX level currently sub 25? We thank you so much. Karen Snow of NASDAQ. Meanwhile, it's been a while since Jeff Bezos pledged to fill the skies with like a fleet of delivery drones zipping parcels to customers' homes in 30 minutes. Now, almost actually a decade after that promise, Amazon's drones have mostly technical challenges to show for themselves. Amazon Prime Air co-founder Goh giving even a video posting it on LinkedIn showing a package being delivered in the middle of, well, nowhere. Let's talk about all of this and more with Bloomberg Spencer Soper With his big take of course a key story that dropped on the bloomberg for our terminal users today and spencer what's been the main issue
6: well the main issue is this design where amazon wanted to uh, combine the maneuverability of a helicopter that could go up and down with a plane that could fly forward and that's a really difficult design to pull off they wanted it for the payload that it could carry up to five pounds which represents about 85% of Amazon's deliveries, as well as the range they wanted to be a, the drone to be able to do a 15-mile round trip, which they see as being critical to serve a big enough population, um, and so that design has been tricky. And you know, last summer they had a really bad incident when the drone was um, transitioning from that up and down uh, flight pattern to the forward pattern, where one of the motors failed. There's there's six propellers on the drone. One of the motors failed and it completely disabled the thing. All of these safety mechanisms that were supposed to kick in failed as well. And you ended up with a, an 85-pound drone dropping from 160 feet in the sky mm-hmm. to the ground. And it's this hot lithium battery on board that powers it, creating a brush fire that spread 25 acres. And so that was alarming to federal aviation officials mm-hmm. who are worried about the airworthiness of this thing. You know, if we're going to have this flying over roads and people and, and schools, you know, how safe is it?
1: And yet, despite all those headwinds, despite the issues, the, the, the engineering issues, the safety issues, this seems to be an area they're still committed to. Is, is it because of the supply chain headaches, the costs? What is it that makes it still so attractive?
6: Yeah, well, you figure uh, 30 minutes, that's really a critical window where you think, you know what, that's faster probably than me leaving my house and going to the store and coming back. Whereas a lot of their other options, like two hour delivery or same day delivery, a lot of times, you're still just as quick to run out to the store and back. So that's really that. Trying to match that instant gratification um, is where drones fit in, as well as some of the things you talk about, like cost and you know dispatching drivers. Is that uh, you know robotic drones are the ultimate solution to that to that quick delivery challenge?
1: So they continue to deploy capital there, invest. It's all about R and D. We know that with Amazon. They've also, of course, just been raising some extra debt. To be able to finance general corporate purposes but a massive bond sale coming from amazon talk to us about what we think it will be used for
6: yeah they haven't given a whole lot of clarity on it um other than like you know these general corporate expenses and so with amazon they they keep expanding capacity they keep expanding um uh, you know, trying to get closer to customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're going to see see more of that. You know, the the Am- the creep of the Amazon warehouse is going to get closer and closer to you, and the facilities get more and more specialized to uh, to be more efficient.
1: And and really, from your perspective, the safety concerns that workers have been telling you their inside stories, you think they're surmountable?
6: Potentially. I mean, a lot of the workers believe in the technology, just think that there's a little bit of too much haste to bring this to... Uh, uh, you know, to people's homes to actually try to deploy it where they feel like maybe this needs to come back to the R&D cycle and and more tinkering and more um, learning before before they're trying to prove the airworthiness of, of these machines.
1: Spencer Soper, great reporting and it's an amazing big take. I urge everyone to go and see it online and on the Bloomberg Terminal. Thank you so much and keeping us up to speed with everything that's going on with Amazon drones. Meanwhile, well, let's talk about other innovations, crypto, Bitcoin. Well, failing a little bit in terms of its prices, I mean dropping to a three-week low, but altcoins actually leading the crypto slide at the moment. We'll discuss perhaps why we're coming off some of the recent highs. This is Bloomberg. now for our crypto report with our crypto contributor. That is, of course, Shanali Basak. And Bitcoin, what, declining again in the last 24 hours under pressure. But it's not actually the underperformer, right?
7: Yeah, very interesting here. We have altcoins that have really dropped a lot more. Now looking at a seven-day decline of more than 20% for for uh, first. Uh, for stablecoins and altcoins such as Cardano, Terra Luna, as we know that these companies are already kind of buying each other's reserves. When you look at Terra Luna, for example, buying not just Bitcoin, but also Avalanche was just down more than 20% on the seven-day period here, Caroline. So you're looking at correlations while some are dropping more than others. It's important to recognize now how much this entire community is related to each other. So if you're buying Bitcoin, what happens to the Terra price? If you're buying Avalanche, what happens to the Terra price? Um, What else is Bitcoin related to? I think it's very interesting. You're seeing this intensifying correlation with the NASDAQ 100. If you take a look at this chart, it's greater than really it's ever been. So NASDAQ sells off, so does Bitcoin. How
1: important is that to market participants? Because many every now and then sort of send out hopeful tweets saying, look, the correlation is pulling back a little bit. But do they want to see it dislocate somewhat from the NASDAQ? I guess it means that it's... Deemed a risk asset.
7: Yeah, I had a conversation with a hedge fund manager who was typically invested in a lot of other hedge funds and asked if this is now a diversifier. And he said he was able to hold stable because, or generally stable because he had Bitcoin rather than a lot of other risk assets. So to your point, there are some traditional money managers that do take a look at this and say, okay, we still want a diversifying asset here. But most people who are still Bitcoin believers and buying Bitcoin don't look at the volatility here. Mm. And again, we are down below. $40,000 $40,000 again on Bitcoin, right? So what is, we're back to asking, what is that floor? They're still looking to what that $300,000 or $500,000 per Bitcoin price target looks like over the next five years. The question is, if this year is a dud, then how quickly do we get to $500,000? And indeed, what it means for the nascent interest coming from institutional clients, right? Yeah, exactly. Because it, what is it correlated to? They are still going to have that question. We are getting more answers And there are definitely quants out there that are doing the math on this. Because even beyond NASDAQ, you and I had spoken to somebody a little earlier, making that correlation with the dollar. If the dollar weakens, that gives you a case for Bitcoin as an alternative currency, doesn't it? Or, Or if inflation rises, that's another correlation that used to be there now that is breaking down more dramatically. So, again, early days of an asset class. A fun Wall Street strategist thing to do to figure out what it is really related to. And geographical demand, do we have any breakdown on that of late? Uh, that's an interesting question, especially because Terra has been such a big buyer. There's a lot of questions about what it means to have one buyer being such a big base here to the asset. But yeah, beyond that, unclear as to how much more after Bitcoin 2022 and uh, Salt's Bahamas coming up around the corner, how much interest is being drummed up among new. Investors around the world.
1: We brace ourselves for a whole load of headlines coming out of SALT as we just digest what was, well, a whole load of aspersions being cast towards some older participants in Wall Street coming from one Peter Thiel at the blue, of course, the overall. Bitcoin 2022 over in Miami. Bloomberg's Shanali Brasak with your breakdown and your correlations. We thank her. Meanwhile, coming up, using wigs to help solve the problem of bias in AI. This is going to be a fascinating conversation with the co-founders of Parfait about how they're really looking at data sets, open source data sets that they're helping to improve for people of color. This is Bloomberg. or indeed its datasets. It's the ultimate goal of Parfait. It's a company founded by two sisters and some other co-founders, and they're doing it by getting into the rapidly growing wig market. Now they have the backing of some of the pretty big names already, including Serena Ventures, backed by, of course, Serena Williams. Joining me now are two women behind this. They happen to be sisters, as we just mentioned. Iso and Ifueko And It is great to have some time with both of you. And Iso, first and foremost, talk to us about what inspired you to want to take in. What is a rapidly growing market and a large one in terms of total addressable market?
8: Yeah, so the origins of Parfait really started with an experience, um, a problem experienced by many women, which is managing and caring for our textured hair, The journey for me started at 10 years old when I had a very terrible experience with a chemical relaxer that made all of my natural hair fall out. And so I really started using hair wigs and extensions to give my hair a break and then a chance to regrow and have essentially spent the last 20 years navigating the friction field market of hair wigs and extensions. So really from our collective experience solving technical challenges during our times at some of the largest tech companies in the world, we were really inspired to leverage AI and computer vision to improve the lives of people in our communities. And Mm. with black hair at the top of our list of problems that needed real investment for a better solution, Parve was really born with a mission to develop products and services with technology that recognize and prioritize all people, starting with people of color.
1: And Fueco, talk to us about how you're going to be using facial recognition, skin coloring to be able to match people to the correct wig, for example. And when you're looking at servicing your direct-to-consumer, what, what was missing in the data, in the open source data already?
9: Yeah, you know, our world continues to be more informed and shape our artificial intelligence. And as we think about the future, we really have to start prioritizing and finding solutions to make it much more equitable. And so the training data used in face recognition technology currently are largely imbalanced, and it often relies on data that is very similar in makeup. And thus the visual makeup of those faces do not represent the composition of faces worldwide. And so this often results in very poor performance for people of color who don't fit into that data dataset. So the impact of this can be seen in the innovations of computer-facing AI. That cause negative external experiences for people of color. You know, one study by the Georgia Institute of Technology saw findings on autonomous driving systems that have more difficulty in detecting pedestrians with darker skin. Um, you know, and another study showed that you know non-white test takers taking exam proctoring software reported issues when attempting to verify their identity. And so at Parfait, we're really trying to tackle this problem to make major progress in improving the product and service outcomes for marginalized communities, starting by building facial recognition technology
1: for women and people of color. So so 5 million already raised. I mean, of course, you've got a product that you want to unfold. You've got a list of, what, 10,000 at least people that signed up to be starting to buy their wigs via you. But you're looking at, of course, improving manufacturing when it comes to wigs, but also, as you say, building up the data set, making AI more fit for purpose, less bias. Start to tell us how you go about doing that from the ground up. Yeah, you know, yeah, so from the many Apologies, I, I said ESO too early. ESO, this one was aimed at you.
8: Yeah, so um, right now manufacturing in this industry hasn't seen innovation in quite some time. You're, the raw hair and lace products that are used to construct these wigs really require significant time and manual intervention, which is a large reason for the exorbitant price tag. Mm. And so really our goal is to fundamentally change the way that these products are produced from the source, making it faster and cheaper to produce customized wigs at scale.
1: Okay, and I'm interested in, therefore, also if Weco, when you're looking at the manufacturing revolutionizing that, getting people a more valuable product, but a more uh, consumer sensitive price point, in particular on perhaps something that usually would cost thousands coming down to the hundreds. Ifweko, I'm interested in what also you need to do in terms of bringing less bias within the data that you're using. How are you going out and ensuring that you're making it better and a more efficient AI?
9: Yeah, you know, we can't ever say that artificial intelligence is going to be perfect. And while we take those precautions, you know, going out and collecting raw data ourselves, making sure that... Our data sets are balanced when it comes to annotations and gender and all those types of things. We also have a very human-focused pipeline in which our stylists and our you know, live team members are going in and correcting and annotating any data that doesn't fit the customer's needs.
1: And Iso, briefly, I mean, of course, your product is for people of all colors and therefore in very much you can see that from your marketing in the way in which you're focused. But talk to us about just how big a market this is. Remind the people who have been putting money in there that this is sizable. This is scaling.
8: Yeah, this is a $13 billion market. It's expected to grow by 13%, 13.2 to billion by 2026. And so Women have been largely underserved Mm -hmm. in the core pieces of wig wearing that require you to be able to wear these products to look natural and confident. And that's true customization. And so what we're really doing is creating a way for these women to be able to customize their wigs and extensions without all of that manual friction. And quite frankly, What we have found is because of the way the manufacturing process is today, it's going to be required for us to be able to scale this to Mm. the $13 billion market that needs it. Um, We would require AI and technical intervention, and that's what we're working on today with this round of funding.
1: Well, you went live today. We thank you so much for coming out of Beta and coming on this programme. Eso Ifueko, Igbenadian, we thank you so much. Co-founders of Parfait, a fascinating story. Go check it out and all their marketing. Meanwhile, that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. We'll be joined tomorrow by the likes of Matthew Ball from Hilly Co. This is Bloomberg.
0: Audio Jungle.
10: Softball coverage, our top 10 showdown as the Alabama Crimson Tide try for the road sweep, taking games one and two, the finale here. Heavy. Florida, a lot of lefties in their lineup and the Hightower strikeout to start things off. One down. Oh, and that's the... Pitcher of the year, threw a no-hitter last year in the NCAA tournament here.
11: Eccles with the glove, two down. Nice job, He's hit 283 off a of high tower. It's ahead in the count again,
10: one and two. And that time, Shipman waits a little longer on it, drives it fair down the line. Allie Shipman cruising into second, and we'll dive
11: in with the double with two outs. Well, that's an off-speed pitch that is just not slow enough for Hightower. It's going to hang through the zone a little bit too much. It's elevated, and because of that, slow speed, elevated high, Shipman is just going to be able to barrel that up and drive it down the line. Great hustle by Allie Shipman. Righty pool to that left side of the field. So this is just all about playing the odds and the percentages. Dowling,
10: straightaway center, back to the wall, and Bailey Dowling! Her last swing last night was a home run. Her first hit tonight, a home run. And the Tide jump on top.
11: More runs with two outs. Alabama. Oh, this is great adjustments by the righties. Look how far off the plate she is, and this pitch is right over the inside corner. And because Dowling is off the plate, it makes it look like it's right down the middle. She bashes that ball, gets over that center field fence. 200 Here's Kaylee Tao. Rifles it right back up the middle. And that's just the sixth home run. That Hightower has given up. She
10: typically keeps the ball in. First hit of the series. That was Haley Pittman, by the way, out warming up for the Gators. Johnson. Shallow left and coming on is Katie Kistler. She's got it. One left on, but a couple across. Bailey Dowling going guard.
11: Bailey Dowling getting all into a ball, driving out the yard. Alabama up 2 0. To start out the night,
10: called strike three. Great at, thank you very much. In the truck, everybody, well done. Well done. (laughs) Called strike three. So it's a short Dowling is there, and a one-two-three inning to weekend. She's seen her batting average go up 50 points in the last 48 hours. And she draws the lead off walk here. She's just
11: done a good job of really identifying pitches. From eighth to 11th, as Bloodworth lines one through the left side. And as you
10: know in women's softball, the top 16 seeds get to host a regional, the top eight get to... Matt Grill laying down a bunt. Echols fires it over to Adams, covering. But uh, both the base runners advance, and with one out, two in scoring position for the top
11: of the order. Again, on the outside corner, and run it away a little bit more. That's how she got good night in the first inning. Got her again. That's that screwball just continued to. Stretch the zone a little bit. She gets a nice call on the setup. Both
10: runs in that first inning, scored with two outs. Prangy delivers. Base hit. Bloodworth will hold at third as Lord comes in to
11: score. 3-0 Crimson Tide on the RBI single for Ashley Prangy. One handled, not a lot of movement on this pitch it's elevated a screwball it's supposed to be a little bit lower and Prangy just barrels that up gets it over shortstop big RBI the third run up on the board for the tie to that arm side so important to be able to throw across your body to your glove side and the runners in motion in foul territory
10: Echols with rooms got it Couple left on, but another run comes in. Alabama with, yeah, 30 30 run rule wins. They've already hit 100 home runs as a team, and they just destroyed Texas Tech this weekend. Goodness, 21 to nothing the last game. Walsh, jacks one, and that's out of here. Solo home run for the freshman Reagan Walsh to lead off the second.
11: Big smile for the freshman. Catching up to a Monte Higher. Look at the location. It is way up at her shoulders. And she's just going to get underneath of this ball and just drive it out of the yard. A 2 2 pitch. And she just takes and
10: elevates it mm. up. Wow. She hammered that one. Bowling it short. In time to retire Cheyenne Lindsay 1 0. Those adjustments. Fouts, quick out of the circle, two down. Go, One, two. Dowling, deep in the hole, got him. But a run on the board for the Gators off the bat of Reagan Walsh. It's
11: not overcomplicating, just moving off the bot Excuse me, off the plate into the back of the box. Or underneath the hand that Tao swings through.
10: 2 2 pitch. Tao. Wallace back on the grass. One down. Still looking for her first hit of the series. Dropping down the bunt. Hightower flips it over the first. Got her. Two down as Dowling moves into scoring position. Oh, me? (laughs) Yes, you. Yes. Had yourself a day. Echols calling for it in foul territory. And a runner stranded. 3 1. Bama on top to the bottom. Longley going oppo and
11: coming on to make the scoop catch is Catgrew. (laughs) Oh, oh. Cat grill, you can see in her head. Montana Fouts at 70-plus miles an hour.
10: Rapid growth in a short period of time. And Fouts gets the freshman. Two down. Look out. Fouts and Wallace. And Wallace draws the walk. Two out base runner here for the Gators. That will bring the tying run to the plate. Single season record in the next uh, few games. Adams backhanded Prangy a long way to go, and Adams will beat it out. And a pair of base runners. And now the go ahead run will come to the plate. four and the bases are loaded.
11: Second walk of the inning with no place to her advantage on the speed that Fouts throws.
10: Two for five on the U. The base is loaded for Riggin Walsh. First pitch swinging right back up the middle. One run is in. Here comes the throw to the plate not in time. To get Hannah Adams, and Reagan Walsh has all three runs batted in. The Gators tie it up.
11: Ready to be intuitive about pitches. She's well off the dish, and what that does is it allows her more effective velocity for that ball to travel deeper on the outside corner. She likes to hit middle out, and because of that, she has a little more time to barrel up that 70-mile-an-hour pitch. He just catches that, hits that high hopper back up the middle. Big two-RBI single for the freshman.
10: Struck her out. Couple left on, but a couple in.
11: I think if she can nibble at that outside corner after throwing effectively underneath the hands, it's, it's definitely gonna help her. That's down the line, fair
10: ball. Banging up against the fence. Bloodworth headed for second, gonna be close. And the ball got away from Adams.
11: And Bloodworth, another extra base hit. For Alabama well and this is a pitch that is just too far over the plate it's a screwball that just doesn't map the run underneath the hands and Bloodworth is just gonna barrel it up big hit down the left field line and you're right if Adams catches that possibly tag here's Cat Grill
10: sacrificed her last time and this time can't get it down the pop-up one away
11: Radio balls—you can hear it. You can hear it, but you can't see it.
10: Fly ball out to left, where Kendra Falby is under it. She and Kistler switched spots. Out in Monday, Smithy, May (laughs) fifteenth. Prangy drills it. Back it goes, and it's gone—a two-run shot for Alabama and Moore runs with two outs.
11: Ashley Prangy got all into that ball, very patient. Picking up, see the way that this ball approaches, it's a rise ball, it's right down the middle, but she lets it travel deep, and that's why she hits it to that center right side, and wow, Falby goes hard into the top of the wall. Big two run shot for Ashley Prangy. Almost the two run home run for Bailey Dowling tonight.
10: Shipman between the wickets, Adams not in time as she was playing the shift directly behind second base. And the strikeout for Del Bray. Ends the inning, but two more on the board for the Tide.
11: Ashley Prangy with a pitch. She delivers a big two-run shot. Puts the Tide back on top by two. For Tana, as her teammates call her, is to, you know, because she doesn't mix speeds, she needs to spin the ball. Shipman, that's
10: a fair ball. And the leadoff on board, Sam Rowe with the infield hit. Coach, Stephanie Van Brakel, former All-American, popped up. Shipman will have another shot at this one and makes the play. One down for Arkansas, and that hits Longley. Two on with one out, and the tying run is aboard.
11: Three-one count.
10: Prangy will make the play to first, not in time. Falby beats it out,
11: and they're loaded for Skyler Wallace. You can see the smile by Falby and that's all she needed. She is so fast. She just needed to make something happen with all that speed. And the second that ball went above shoulder height, you knew she was gonna beat this out. Lots of speed down the line for Kendra Falby. Hard, low, punch back up the middle. Middle infielders are pulled up.
10: Gets away from Shipman. Racing home is Rowe, and it's a one-run
11: game. Well, and the home run off of the changeup does just this. The changeup is called. and Five, two,
10: Wallace walks to load him up again. And they'll pass the bat here to Hannah. hit through the left side. Longley is in. They're waving Falby home. And now she stops and goes back to the bag. And they've got Wallace hung up. And now the throw to the plate and the tag is applied to Falby. And the ball comes out. And she is safe at home. They had her hung up in the rundown. And Shipman couldn't hold out
11: of the ball, and Florida has its first lead of the series. By Hannah Adams, bases loaded. Full count, knows she's gonna get a good pitch, punches it through the 5-6 hole. Nice throw home by Johnson, and then Shipman is gonna catch Wallace hung up between second and third. The throw home, she's gonna be out. Fallby coming home, the throw is high. She puts the tag in, and then it looks like just comes out of the glove. Falby hits Shipman's glove as she starts to stand up. Birkin.
10: And oh. it hits Eccles. A walk a sink. A walk, a single, and a hit batter have loaded up the bases here with the top of the order. And now the four-hitter, Walsh. And it is another run in for the Gators. Second run scored on a wild pitch this inning. Walsh gets a hold of one. Catches made by Cat Grill, but plenty deep for a sack fly to bring in another run.
11: Four RBI on the night for Reagan Walsh. So we talked about execution at the top of this game, the Gators really unable to do so the first two games. They've been stellar here in game three. and a run in on a wild pitch. Oh.
10: Prangy over to first. Ends the inning. But it's a doozy for Florida. 1-2 pitch. Kaylee Tau launches one for the gap, and off the base of the wall, out in right center, and a stand-up double for Tau, and a motion to lead off the fifth.
11: (laughs) Adams will make the play to first.
10: One out, Tau to third. up in the third, in foul territory and the basket catch for Longley, two down. Ninth pitch of this at bat. break got her. Tow stranded at third. Her second strikeout. Row draws the walk. Gets on base to lead off for the second inning in a row. Start to... Unravel an inning. Prangy, good cover. Sacrifice for Kistler, gets Roe over to second. Longley, Tau's got it, two down. First time she's seen Torrance. Prangy. Side retired. To the 6th inning we go with Gabe. Lexi Delbre stays out there. grill grounds it to Wallace, one down.
11: It's a different look, even if it's a, a pause.
10: Delbray taking care of business. And delivers with another base hit. Their scoring has all been done with two outs tonight. Another 3-2 pitch. That'll stay fair. Eccles over to first. Side retired. To the bottom of the sixth we go in Gainesville. Face knock. Going to be extras with that speed. Wallace
11: to second. pack another run-up. It's kind of like that final nail. Just Adams spunts and she'll get on. Runners on the corners with nobody out. Oh, Adams with that leadership, seeing where the defense
10: Echols goes the opposite way, and that will fall in for a base hit. Wallace races home, and the Gators tack on another.
11: Refusing to let that ball get past them, so this one up in the zone, and a little bit of a jam job, but just going to float it down in in front of Jenna Johnson. Good base read by... Skyler Wallace to see that down immediately.
10: Walsh got under it. Bloodworth, one down. Cheyenne drops down the bump out at first. Two down. Rowe, and that'll score a pair. Sam Rower's second hit of the ball game drives in two. So they did exactly what we talked about in the open, Michelle, not yep. only were they getting people on, but they were getting them around and getting them in, which hadn't been happening in the first couple of games. Alabama will get some
11: swings. One last chance in the seventh. Because part of the, the, the game would be in the circle, but as Lexi Delbrey gets more innings, she becomes a lot more effective.
10: Bailey Dowling off the foul pole and left, and another. Home run for Bailey.
11: And just as I say that Delbrey is becoming more effective, but she'll learn to not do that. She'll learn to put pitches in different areas so that she doesn't give up the long ball. And this is just a pitch, a rise ball, that is up in the zone and sweet. And Dowling is having herself a game, her second home run of the game, third of the series. She had the solo shot last night.
10: That's her third home run in her last six plate appearances. Series with Arkansas for Senior Weekend here. 1-2 pitch, Tao. Wallace on the grass. Not in time, a little too deep, it's short.
11: And the Tide got something cooking. Kayla Tao from the left side can get down. Runners, base.
10: ECHOES TO ADAMS, OVER TO FIRST. DOUBLE PLAY, FLORIDA GATORS. THAT'S A DRIVE, BACK UP AGAINST THE BASE OF THE WALL, OUT AND LEFT, AND Jen LORD WITH A DOUBLE.
11: Jenna Lord gets all into this ball. Pitch on the inside corner. It's a rise ball that's just not high enough, and Lord has just shown that she can hit in clutch situations. And The freshman has just been outstanding in this series. Earning that DP spot. Seventh extra base. 0 2 pitch coming.
10: And it hits her And a base hit for Cat Grill. That'll load him up.
11: With two outs in the top of the order. And a pinch hitter, Savannah Woodard. And that is another 0-2 base hit.
10: Prangy. Out to center. And that'll do it. The Florida Gators grab Game Three of the series, 12 to seven, over Alabama. Coming up next, it's the Texas A&M spring football game.
7: Audio, Audio, jungle. Audio,
6: jungle. Audio, jungle. Audio jungle.
12: This show would not be possible without the support of our listeners, patrons, and sponsors. If you'd like to find out more about supporting the 3-Bit Gamer Show, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash 3BG. And a major shout-out goes out to our boss-level patrons, Christopher, Patrick, and Skyler. listener, listener.
13: Listener, questions Questions. Leaning on you
12: to plan another lazy soul, yeah Listener, questions Questions. Answers are the only way, yeah Listeners, this game's not new Cause now you have the answer to Listener, questions
13: Questions. How to change this line to keep our sponsors Listener, Questions. questions What you gonna do when we answer you now? It's the soul that we all share It's the hope for tomorrow Questions! You just logged into the 3-Bit Gamer Show <music> Welcome to the 3-Bit Gamer Show I'm JD
12: This is Peterson And it's another listener Questions! Questions. episode. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was great.
13: Live from the 3 Gamer show, the news. <laughs> <laughs> all right, our news this week, as with all weeks, is brought to us by Crave Cookies. Crave! Crave Cookies is this awesome cookie shop here in Midvale, Utah, and also in West Valley City, Utah. The, the it out. amount of land that Crave is conquering is growing. We should start just creating like an area map um, of lands that Crave has conquered. Yeah, Crave has Lands. Claimed. The Crave Lands. Is this not a video game? That's the tie in lore uh, mini novel that Brandon Sanderson writes. Crave cookies when he eats his first one because every single experience that Brandon Sanderson has in his life, be it video games, movies, he food, has to write a story. He's got to write a, a card trading card games. He's going to write a story about it. Yeah. So if you don't true. think that Brandon Sanderson has written an eight part saga about the Lands, you're crazy. <laughs> Twitter has released their most talked about games in 2022. So far guys,
12: we're recording like
13: two days after the last episode. So the news is a little thin. Give us a break.
12: Just give us a break. You guys are, you guys are so demanding. You're lucky you're
13: getting any news. Okay.
12: You know what? Back off you guys.
13: Yeah. Take it, take a chill pill. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So that's what we're digging into bottom of the barrel. This is what Twitter thinks people are talking about in gaming. For quarter one of this year.
12: <laughs> well, this is funny though, because I thought Elden Ring would be near the top. Oh I no,
13: no, because uh, Wordle number would one be the top but is Genshin Impact. Why? Number two, unsurprisingly, is Wordle. Yeah. Number three is some game called Ensemble Stars. Then Apex Legends. Uh Final Fantasy is fifth. PJ Sakai. Is sixth. I don't know what that is. And then Elden Ring is seventh. But Peterson, one thing they did point out is that Elden Ring has only been out for a couple, a little bit. So the fact that they are on this list at all. Because what? Didn't Elden Ring come out like just a couple weeks ago? And they're number seven for the entire first three months of 2022. Yeah, that's true. So that's pretty good. And then let's see. Eight is FGO Project. Then Game Knives Out. What is that?
12: That is Dude, not Knives Out. That has nothing difference. to do with no. Knives Out. No, look at the picture. The guy's got a big old gun on his back. Yeah, that's just like remember. the detective
13: yeah. uh, in, in Knives the... Out. He had a t-shirt and a helmet. A Part Mac
12: two helmet. of Knives Out, things get really out of control. Part... Knives he Out has 2, a gigantic gun Halo. Now.
13: Uh, and number ten is Minecraft. Where Mine- did that come Minecraft from? Minecraft just lives in per in perpet- perpetuity Every top perpetuity everything. In just 10. the general gaming top ten. Yes. Yeah, like sales, you always look at sales, Minecraft. It's always there. You looked there. at highest streaming, it's fucking Minecraft. It's always top ten. No yeah. matter what the top ten is, Minecraft is like, hello. Hey, and this is perfect. It's a little creeper in the in the picture. So that it's just like spot on. A WWE announcer casually quoted the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time during Monday Night Raw. Before we go on, Peterson, just spin this clip.
12: I'll, I'll play it, yeah. Here we go.
4: WWE E-Ring, the flow of time is always cool. And a thing that doesn't change with time is just a memory of younger days.
13: <laughs> if that Dude, quote sounds a e- little e- out of place uh, right at the kickoff, of the title fight from, from Monday Night Raw, uh, it's because it is. It's because it's a very, very obscure quote from the Ocarina of Time. From the, the When did Ocarina of Time come 1996 out? 1996 or 7 oh on the Nintendo gosh. 64. And this guy has his, it, it, the neurons in his brain of the billions of trillions of connections that are made and saved and stored. This one was locked
12: is locked in for three
13: decades
12: what's the context behind this like how did this get into his brain to begin with
13: dude okay so i guess no it makes sense contextually it's just (laughs)
12: insane that this guy is enough of a
13: zelda fan this is like beyond normal fandom of anything this uh, the fight was cody versus rollins and one of these uh wrestlers had just come back from like a six-year hiatus. And so it was a time related quote. So he looks at Ocarina of Time, which has a lot of these discussions. If you guys don't know uh, in the story, it takes place uh, between uh, a child version of Link, the main character, and an adult version of Link. You travel back and forth between time, I think, playing a magical ocarina and it helps you travel back and forth in time. And so there's a lot of discussion of, of, of time and the passage of time and what happens. And so he's dropping this quote at WWE Monday Night Raw. What? Dude. And then the fact that someone just picked it up and someone is like, hey, wait.
12: I know what that's from. Wait, that's, that was what like, I was going to bring up.
13: Dude, How? This is like some discussion that Link is having with uh, one of these characters in the forest. And I don't think it's like anything. um, It's not like during a a super seminal part of the of the game. I think he's just talking to somebody. Weird quote. I love that. Uh, I I have nothing more to say about that. (laughs) World of Tanks developer Wargaming is leaving Belarus and Russia.
12: This is like their home turf.
13: This is all their turf. This is all of their turf. If you look at their revenue numbers, if you look at the where people are playing on Steam and stuff, everyone that plays this game and the vast majority are in Russia and Belarus, um, and they were headquartered in Minsk, which is in Belarus. Didn't you
12: go somewhere in that region f- uh, f- for reporting with them?
13: I don't want to talk about it. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want you to mock me. But yes, where did you go? I did go, go to Minsk. Um, you did so like, Yeah, to like visit their headquarters. And then we went to this weird war museum um, that was just a bunch of decommissioned uh, Migs and Russian tanks and -hmm. like World War Two era tanks and stuff. And it was very it was very weird. They took us on a tour. And Sounds like, very
12: Eastern European.
13: Dude, Get this is the most Eastern European. They take us on this tour of Minsk, and one of the stops was to see the apartment that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald apparently lived in and wrote in,
0: that's um, when he part was of being
13: radicalized for you when shot jfk or whatever the fuck and they were like really proud of it they're like look that's where the guy that's where like the guy guys is.
12: you don't even know you will be guy we don't so, want to spoil it for you but when i was an there, ace shot like you seriously. will feel you will Bam. feel different when you walk into that room i promise you and then <laughs> i'll was tell like, you this was is a
13: it. tour stop i was like why are we stopping to see this random soviet block era apartment <laughs> that's why
12: Dude, so that's why. Did anyone Um, live there or was it purely like
13: I would hate to be the person that lives there. And there's always like confused tourists gawking uh, at them. I I imagine it's like mostly like Chinese tourists.
12: One or two of them snap a picture because they feel like they have to like I guess we're here. I don't know. This is weird. Let's just take a picture and go.
13: Yeah. Yeah, I guess. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) Belarus is is lovely country. Um, But this is them pulling out over the war in the, the war in Ukraine. It's so crazy. This is going, this is effective March 31st. So it's already effective. Like it was like immediately, um, the company will not profit from this process. And they say in the statement, much to the contrary, we expect suffer, to suffer substantial losses as a direct result of this decision. Well, wow. um, yeah. So they're closing their studio in Minsk and they're trying to provide as much severance and support for these employees that are going to be affected by this. Obviously. Um, But they're still confident in the future of their business and committed to delivering quality games that they're going to keep trying to do what they can. Um, It's really. I don't know. It's really interesting.
12: Interesting. Yep. They pulled out.
13: Yeah. And and good for them. Um, I wish them the best of luck. They develop a couple of games, World of Tanks, World of Warships, World of Warplanes, maybe.
12: Here's the thing. These I've played. Uh two of those, World Tanks mm-hmm. and Warships. They're both fun for like two, three, four, five hours, and then yeah. they become very pay to win. So Yeah, uh, which from like what I this, understand if they weren't, this game could be so much fun. Like World of Tanks is a good game, but it's so pay to win that it's like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. Um, they're now gonna be headquartered in Cyprus.
13: Which is kind of uh, cool. Good. Yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think that I think you're right that that model isn't. I don't know. I don't. Know I'm surprised it's super that
12: they're still around. And actually, I think they're only still around because the game itself is fun. Like it's there are some fun. major
13: whales in this game. Oh, um, sure. From what I understand, even in you know the U.S. outside of like Russia and Belarus, there are a lot of whales that I think that they can think they can keep going. Well, um, they
12: can. They, I they do. I guess what they do well is they can suck you into that early. Uh, you know, buy those first few tanks because I used to play with Spencer and he did buy several tanks. Yeah, in the game. Which again was no longer fun for me because then we we're being matched up with people who had those good tanks too, who Ooh. would legitimately. I was using my best tank, and they would just one me. shot, one shot you, yeah. So yeah,
13: but they did. They
12: were good at getting people it, to buy that first tier of tanks, you know. So
13: yeah. Um so I'll keep an eye on this. I have been uh, because of that trip, I've been all, these guys have always been in my peripheral um and I'm always kind of interested to see what they're doing and I was very interested to see Wait. how they react. This is not what I think I or anyone who went to visit there or or because this company was basically uh founded on a huge loan from the Belarusian government that was like a tech loan And it was one of the very few like software companies that they were like able to brag about to be like, look, this is what Belarus is doing. We make this like crazy popular video game. And so they did get a lot of money from the state of Belarus. So
12: can I, can I just take a quick step back? mm -hmm. I'm a little concerned about something you said. You said you went out to Belarus. You visited them personally. We don't know what happened on that visit, but now they are always on your mind. Are you... I'm just going to straight up say it. Are you a sleeper agent? JD? Just,
13: hey. Just nobody say <laughs> random combinations of words around me. And we won't have to wonder. It's totally fine. speak speaking completely normal English. <laughs> Don't say random words.
3: Like I feel piano, like we've gotten banana, a few of them. Highland. Right history.
13: Don't do it. On this podcast. Nope. The division continues to predict the future, now with a mode based on defending
12: a nuclear power
13: plant from invading forces. Alright. The division.
12: I look look, of all of all the games, right, this would be in my top ten of games that I don't want to be predicting the future.
13: Oh god, yes. And this... I don't
12: think we revisited this really. That we haven't talked really
13: about the division. Because mm-hmm. the, after the division two kind of puttered out and died like we haven't really talked about the division since no but we haven't talked about the division in post pandemic america that's how much it sputtered out and died but damn they kind of got it right with the
12: division right like the, i feel like they're getting close and closer uh it's like if the if the virus if coronavirus was uh 25 several... deadlier yeah if it was just we would uh, have
13: had the division <laughs>
12: We would be right there. You That's guys, fucking it. Right we would be there. Right there. We would have hordes of uh, un- the unvaccinated. Just the
13: sanitation workers of New York would collectively go insane earth. and
12: start burning people alive. Like, guys, we are on the fucking cusp We're here. pretty close. We're pretty close. A couple, I think a couple Walmarts across the country actually got to division status for... Maybe a couple of days, but then they kind of they backed. And off. that was before the pandemic. <laughs> oh, that, that was twenty nineteen. That was a Black Friday. Yeah, that was that just was... <laughs> a
13: normal Wednesday at, at Walmart.
12: Just a random Walmart in like Nashville. And they're like, or we're, something. the
13: Homeland Security showed up. They fucking FEMA. They just quarantined the down The whole the whole thing. <laughs> so uh, this is this is so funny. Uh, well, I guess it's not like super funny. This is set in the U.S. This uh, it's a it's an. Ex- expansion for the division it's called countdown it's been in development since early last year and imagine the team that has like been working on this and they are so close to announcing and shipping by the way they didn't say anything they weren't able to announce this when they wanted to because of what's been going on if you guys weren't aware um or following the war in ukraine closely which you should be uh the, at least
12: be paying attention a little bit, just
13: a modicum of attention. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of our war. This is like the war of our time. Kind stuff's of stuff's happening um, currently. Uh so they, uh, the Russian forces attacked Chernobyl, and we're also just kind of like fucking around in the forest outside of Chernobyl, just kicking up all that uh, that that dirt. That I don't know, like three million liquidators sacrificed. Decades off their lives to go through these forests, like, turning over, like, metric fuck-tons of soil so this radioactive shit wasn't exposed, and the Russians just go marching through it. It's fine. And yeah, then I think like... they were, like, shooting at the fucking reactors. It's not yeah. great. Yeah, yeah not that was great. I think
12: they were trying to bomb one at one point.
13: Yeah, like, I don't know. For like, shits mortars or something? Because it don't... was really easy the last time one of those was opened. Mm-hmm. uh let's just open it back up and you know that big fucking uh uh crypt that they've got on top of the exposed reactor yeah that was just like a cool two three billion dollars and like a huge multinational effort but yeah just shoot it with guns you fucking shoot genius. at it shoot just at shoot it, it. <laughs> um so yeah shoot at the they...
12: radiation get it boys and, you know
13: i sound i sound annoyed at this Imagine being the team that worked on this division expansion that's watching this go down. And they're like, motherfuckers. They thought, okay, well, okay, so Russia's invading Ukraine. Like, that's one thing. There's no fucking way that they're going to mess with Chernobyl. We're in the clear. How many meetings do you think they had Mm-mm. at Ubisoft about this? Where they're like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, this They're is... not going to touch the reactors. It's totally fine. It's not going to be like a problem. It's not going to be awkward. Uh, I mean, how many, How are you marketing how are they marketing the division over the last 2 years? Like did I can someone sure. answer that? I'm just so blown away where you like oh, play the new thing where you shoot the infected or like all this stuff or don't get it like all of the stuff around yeah, the division yeah. was a giant outbreak and avoiding infection in this huge I don't know. Yeah. That's and these big quarantines.
12: The marketing the- team on the division was like they just, they just were like, quit. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't know nope, how we haven't missed doing out not on this doing discussion
13: it. for two mm-mm. years, though. I think that's hilarious. I think that's, that's true. a testament to what they've been doing. They're like, OK, we're not going to do uh, we're not going <laughs> to we're not going to do pandemic stuff. We're not going to do virus stuff anymore. Let's focus on, like, I don't know, the infrastructure that's collapsing and someone raises their hand. They're like, oh, a nuclear power plant might be good. And they're, they're like, like dude, great, that would Jameson, be crazy. Thanks. those Let's- stakes
12: are high.
13: Let's that that's really good and it's not virus stuff, so that's a really good new direction for our next expansion. Jameson oh,
12: was shit. fired recently, by Jameson the way. Got <laughs> way
13: off. I'm so sorry, pal. Elden Rings publisher wants to work with author Brandon Sanderson yes! and he what? has a soulsborn pig. <laughs> no, I don't like that. I don't like that.
12: I would play it. You so, are
13: getting monkey clawed, Peterson. This I is have, so yeah, This is funny. monkey paw
12: because who, I think it was Steven, said like, oh, he was joking like uh, on Discord. Oh, another open, about if they made an open world Brandon Sanderson game, he was like, oh, there's another open world game that Peterson wouldn't play. And <laughs> yep. I was like, if there was a Sanderson game, I would absolutely play it. and uh, But I will be so mad if it is a Souls-like. And then- oh. Within two days, this story came out and I was like, it's absolutely, absolutely a monkey pop because if there is one game genre that is just zero appealing to me, it is souls like games. And I know someone listening just had like an aneurysm (laughs) and they're going to be like, no, like, okay, no, no, no. You just have, no, like that's not, if I hit, if I hit a rough patch, uh, in any game, I'm out. there's a good chance I will quit. The more I have to play a certain thing, the percentage chance that I am quitting that game forever just skyrocket
13: So you're telling me you don't want to play a game that the entire game is a rough patch?
12: Yeah, that's that. Like I don't like it, and they'll be like, "Oh no, Elden Ring, you can do no, guys, you're not understanding." No, no, shut up. None of it sounds fun to me. I, wi- I wish. Look, beautiful game. I wish I liked it. <laughs> I wish it I liked dis- vegetables. I've it, tried to
13: eat them. I really have. I, I've disguised dude, them with butter, wrapped them in bacon. But I put a, a slice of asparagus in my mouth, dude, and it I get bile in dude, my mouth. Is,
12: it's not my fault. This is a good foodio games because, yeah, that's mushrooms for me. I really want to like mushrooms. I ooh. have tried a hundred times. All the different ones. I've And there's every now and then there's one that I'm like, ooh, I can do this. This one's Okay. I, I even bought dried mushrooms the other day to make a mushroom powder for recipes that call for mushrooms where I want the umami, but I don't want to taste a mushroom in my mouth. And uh, You know the
13: ones you get with the hot pot that's like a billion tiny little ones? Yeah. you like those?
12: Sometimes I can I can eat like a little bit of a mushroom at a time, but the problem yeah. is they're never prepared that way. Whenever there's a mushroom in a dish, it's like, oh, you want a bite that's all mushroom? Here you go. You're going to hate it um and that's yeah that's Elden, that's souls like games for Dude, me
13: i feel like they kind the, <clears> of <throat> i
12: understand the attraction of these
13: authors to souls like because if i understand correctly aren't you going from like giant epic boss to giant epic boss
12: yeah and there's some little guys in between and uh, so you get to
13: write all the backstory of why there's so many epic bosses and, and their like, cool what's happening happens, and, and what their is... weapons are called yeah how long their fingernails are and stuff
12: yeah what that the fingernail thing is a real is a real catch for these guys
13: well for george r, r. martin it's it's like how how elaborate the feast was that they had the night before <laughs> it's like 16 pages of like meat dripping off their chins and shit
6: <laughs>
12: God. okay but uh, i so have read so, fantasy books and gotten hungry though so i know write it's terrible right. and i'm like where do i get black bread at this hour
13: how am I, I going to get a hunk of cheese and black bread? That's What the fuck do I do Why with do I that?
12: want a piece of pork that is dripping grease so bad right now?
13: <laughs> Salted pork? I don't know what that is. Salted but I need pork. some. I don't, how like, do you prepare that? Pork jerky?
12: <laughs> I don't know. It does, sounds better than that, though. <laughs> Choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-boog. Fortnite has raised one hundred and forty four
13: so million dollars for humanitarian relief uh, going to the people affected by the war in Ukraine. Uh, this is also I, I don't think it's all Fortnite, I think, because Xbox got involved in this and they were matching to an extent. Uh, so this was double what we reported a couple weeks ago. One hundred forty four yeah. million dollars. Guys. Guys. That, this that's is like no small borderline amount. spaceship money uh just for humanitarian aid for this this is Guys, just that from was, one video game
12: that was all the money that they made that's the crazy thing too that's the money they made for the last few weeks that like would have gone into Wild. epics coffers and yeah. they were just like meh eh. no, we don't need it and like better
13: to go to like humanitarian causes um world wow. central kitchen uh, UN Refugee Agency, World Fo- Food Program, and UNICEF, and Direct Relief were all recipients. Um, I mean that's an that's an ungodly amount of money. Well, that is done. some like really moving. That's some that's a moving supplies cash right there. Yeah. Uh, greasing some wheels cash. So that's really positive stuff. So good for Fortnite
12: and that's just uh, from like a video game like they didn't have to do anything right there was zero expectation for to them anybody ukraine. to do anything like that and, no yeah and they just did it and yeah so i don't know i just thought that was super cool i still get messages when i log into fortnite um, about the ukraine and so i don't know i think it's cool i i like that i like to see i like to see games that i'm playing and game companies doing uh doing Trying to make the world a better place. Yeah. All right. And JD, I'm going to, I'm going to tee this one off. We have an announcement for you. This is, uh, this is late breaking. So, and this has to do with your favorite, uh, favorite upcoming game, Hogwarts Legacy. So if you want to listen to that clip, it's called JD Announcement. This came from jacob stewart so listen to it live and we will react
10: jd this is albus grumbledore here to tell you you've been accepted to hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry we've been so impressed at how excited you are for the upcoming game that we've decided you're the only one that will get to play it but in order to
13: do so you must convince peterson to watch the trailer 500 more times. Everyone knows the more excited you are about a game and the more hype you build up for it, the better it will be. So keep on dreaming those
6: dreams. See you soon, I guess. Albus (laughs) Grumblegore.
13: Thank you so much, Albus. (laughs) Albus Albus Grumblegore.
12: Well, I like his name changed at the end, too. He said Albus (laughs) Grumblegore. Oh, Miss Grumblegore. He is
13: <laughs> preaching to the choir, dude. This is my soul. This is what I truly believe that the more I believe that this game is going to be good, the better it will actually be. Um. So Peterson, how many times have you watched the so, trailer?
12: You guys don't know this, but JD has actually made me watch it a couple hundred times already. He just keeps yeah. sending me links and he said, I'm getting, I'm getting you know, Rick rolling. rolling. Yeah. Yeah.
13: It's like that with the Harry Potter trailer. So I only need to Rickroll Peterson like 183 <laughs> more times, I think.
12: Yeah, yeah. And I keep clicking on those links.
13: they send me a copy of this game to play by myself?
12: Yeah. You're I'm not going to share mean, it with yeah. any of you because I don't care about any of you. This is my game. This is for me. <laughs> they made this for they me. They made this for me. They did not. Albus Grumblegore did not say anything about you guys. This is just for me. This is my fucking game. This, I feel like that's how you feel. This is like JD's. Like this is they're making this game for me specifically. I have to write them a thank you note when they're done. A nice. Oh yeah, letter. I'm sure there Send will be. A, yeah, basket.
13: A two, Jonathan, at, at the beginning <laughs> of the uh, of the game. I'll receive it as like my letter to Hogwarts. Oh my gosh. Kudos. Kudos kudos all right kudos is our positivity segment we'd like to give a shout out to something that we were into um peterson do you have any kudos this week i
12: do have one or well, it's like kind of like two but a two in one
13: a, tudos.
12: a, and a one two dos. a two in one does <laughs> that doesn't no i'm so sorry oh, yeah um okay so i uh, lately with my kids uh i have done Two different escape rooms. Now, have you done an this escape so room? Fun. I have
13: never done one. I love that you've done two, though. That's There's just, so we
12: we hilarious. decided to do one the other night just because I was like, let's do something. So yeah. I took my two oldest to a place called it's in Ogden called Clue In uh, right. Escape, and so we go to this place. And honestly, not the nicest uh, facility. We'd been to one a few years ago in North Carolina with some of our friends, and that one was like super nice. This one was clue and escape was not that it was uh pretty beat up and like everything was a little rundown feeling like a
13: couple of people tried to break out physically.
12: Yeah. Yeah. and like, there were like things that you could tell have been like mangled a little bit. Um, but I will say the the thing that we did, the escape room we did and the puzzles mm-hmm. were top notch, top notch. We had so much fun. We escaped from the, um, Gives like the something mortician. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we had to break into his office, steal a necklace that he had stolen off our dead grandmother or something like that. And yeah, uh, I
13: love that level of storytelling. And that. it was, oh,
12: yeah, they all have like a story. And so that was fun. That one was a good time. So then we were like, let's do another one. So I signed up for one in Layton called The Great Room Escape. Okay. And I brought my three boys this time. My eight year old came and I told him, I was like, don't expect to do anything. Because the puzzles are kind of beyond him, but he mm-hmm. wanted to come along. So, yeah, uh, we we did the we did a, an escape room called the Countdown, where uh, dude, and this this felt it did not feel good to be playing this because it was like, and they've had this for a few years, and it was like the cold war has been going on for several years and it just recently turned hot and no. a Russian missile has too been launched too. And I was like, Oh geez, golly, this is, uh, <laughs> well, at least I, you're preparing your kids. I kind of felt Get like I was ready. playing war games from yes. the math. Like I was like, is this real? Tell me if it's real or not. The only way uh, move is to not play. <laughs> yeah. So this one was cool. Cause we had one hour to stop. The uh, to turn the uh, missile defense system back online because it had been hacked into. And so we're doing all these things. This one, the room was much nicer, much fancier. Uh, the puzzles were more high tech. Mm-hmm. Like we were doing stuff on a computer and like, we we're plugging in cords to certain things and like in a certain order and these types of things. So it was way more high tech than the other one. Yeah. But, there wasn't nearly as many puzzles and I would say they weren't as clever as the kind of rundown place, yeah. but it was much, much fancier, like way okay. nicer. The room was very decorated and like ambiance over function. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it wasn't bad, but it just wasn't as good. We got out of that one too. So if you guys have never done an escape room, now get, I want to do
13: one, get Dang. a group
12: of four people. Yeah. And cause I, I I think the less people, the better, because you want to be involved right. with them. So I would go with four people, to be honest. Get take four of you, no more than six, and uh, go to an escape room. They're really fun. It's a good time for an hour. Uh, you know, just go in with the expectation that you'll fail or that you'll need help, because we mm-hmm. did have to ask for help a couple times, and they're like more than happy to help you along um but yeah guys do an escape room seriously it's it's a great activity to just go out and do it's something a little bit different um so yeah i would do a cold war one there's a pandemic one you're trying to escape
13: the cdc after like a (laughs) smallpox there there is a
12: chernobyl one yeah there's there's
13: a there's a global no. warming one where you're like at the shoreline <laughs> of a rapidly rising ocean level.
12: The second place uh, we went to does have a couple that are scary. And okay. and they said there's even a couple jump scares. And so I do want to do that. Escape from Dracula's Castle. Well, like one's a haunted room and the other one's like a one's a uh, like a shed or something. So mm. Let's I want to do those faces shed. Okay, uh, did. Yeah. Like creepy ambiance trying to like, yeah. So uh, anyways, yeah, it'd be fun. Do one. Uh, I'm excited to do another. Cool. Um,
13: uh, my kudos is unique. Um, I watched this movie on Netflix. This is a Judd Apatow's latest movie. Um, it's called The Bubble. And it's about a movie that is being produced in uh, during the pandemic, during like 2020. And it's all like all the actors are living in a hotel and they're doing the whole movie production, like, you know, in a, in a quarantine kind of setup. And it's got a lot of like, well, not a lot. It's got some pretty great actors. Um, It's got Keegan Michael key from key and peel in it. And I, I really wanted to love this movie. It starts out pretty strong. Like they're making these, I I realized Jenna and I both realized that like, this is a genre that I hope, um, I hope there are more films that document this pandemic the way that this one did, or at least how it did in the beginning. Like they meet and they do the elbow bumps when they are like checking into the hotel for the quarantine. And it just shows Mm -hmm. people going crazy being in quarantine for two weeks in a hotel room, that type of shit. And uh, so I hope that we we document that uh, in more films. So I appreciated that uh, and I appreciated a lot of the jokes. Apparently, this was it's actually that Judd Apatow is like making fun of what really happened on the production of the latest Jurassic Park movie that's coming out, because this is exactly how it was made. So much so that this is the movie in the movie that they're making is called Cliff Beasts six. And the monsters, the CGI monsters are like t-rexes with wings instead of arms and they're called cliff beasts and they are the stupidest looking motherfucking monsters so that part's really funny and sometimes they'll show like in the middle of the shots that they're showing like the the post-production of how it will look so it's kind of funny um seeing the movie in the movie but honestly dude this movie was an hour too long and it's like two hours and 20 minutes this movie would be an absolute stunner at 70 minutes. It would be just like gut busting, nonstop laughs. But at two hours plus, Judd Apatow just like taking big long strides and leaving like way too much time on certain things. Mm-hmm. Storylines that could be fully cut out. And I'm not usually like a guy that's like, ah, you should cut this out, you should cut that out. But I'm like, dude, there are things, there's just full wholesale like 20 minutes worth of storyline that can just be, <laughs> should have been left on the editing editing bay floor so that was a real disappointment um so i guess if you like if you like me and you you like judd Apatow, i've I've liked everything he made you know he made heavyweights you know that old disney movie he
12: did such a good that movie. was like his
13: first fucking movie so i've been watching judd Apatow unknowingly all of his movies since i was a kid
12: he uh, loves casting his wife it's Yeah. Leslie She's Mann. In this Le- Leslie in Mann it. is in this. And their daughter. Their daughter is in it as daughter well. Daughter is in this as well. He just um, loves And it casting. feels
13: like that, dude. It kind of feels like a family kind of like wrote this together during the pandemic. And then they like, like yeah, we had this. fun with it. And nobody fucking edited it outside the, outside the family. <laughs> and, yeah. and who's going to tell Judd Apatow no? Certainly not Netflix who produced it. They don't know what they're fucking doing. They're not going to tell a storied actor or a director like Judd Apatow anything, especially when he's in the middle of making a movie that is actively mocking the relationship between a movie studio and the director. Netflix is like, uh, yeah, you do whatever you want. No one's going to touch this. Uh, and it's very apparent and it's like, damn it. Cause there are parts in this that are laugh out loud, funny. There are parts that I just like, couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard, but I still don't recommend watching it unless you really like no Judd Apatow and his moves movies and you like them. So watch uh, everything from, it. yeah, watch, watch, just kind of watch it and know it's going to waste a lot of your time. That's what I would say. That's such a weird recommendation. Um, but it is kind of good for what it is. I don't know. It's weird. It's called the bubble. It's on Netflix. Check it out or don't. I don't care. Uh, all right, so listener questions. I don't know, Peterson. Do you want to just like play the intro song, just like right here again, so everyone? Can yeah, enjoy let's it? just do
12: it again. You you deserve it twice.
13: Spin it up. Listener,
12: listener,
2: listener questions. questions. Leaning on you to plan another
12: lazy song, yeah. Listener
13: questions. <laughs>
12: Answers are the only way, yeah Listeners, this game's not new Cause now you have the answer to
11: Listener Questions Questions.
13: How to change this line to keep our sponsors Listener Questions. Questions What you gonna do when we answer you now It's the soul that we all share It's the hope for tomorrow
4: Questions
0: all
13: right, our first lister question comes from Joe Mero, who asks, oh, "Who was your first video game crush?" All right, getting a little personal who was here. Who is the first video game character you found super hot? Uh, and then, yes, this a follow-up. is
12: a th- three-part question.
13: Yeah, this is intense. This is like an SAT question. It is
12: <laughs> the follow-up
13: here. One A is who is your current video game crush? One B, who is your video game crush you are ashamed to admit about? <laughs> Dude, game seriously, that's a personal. lot.
12: You're at, very personal. But look, you, we told you if you ask a question, we'll answer it. So fine. We'll so I, answer yeah, it. yeah. yeah I just
13: climb right into my brain and here you go.
12: So first video game crush, JD, what would you say?
13: God, I kind of like went back and forth on this one. Um, and I think it's got to be Samus Aran from Metroid Fusion.
12: But before you found out, before she took off the helmet, right?
13: Just the robot, yeah. You're like, yeah, this robot's like, so hot. This is, this, th- I was like, this robot has hips for days. I will say. And look how she
12: just goes into a little ball. Dude, I love the little ball move.
13: Nothing is sexier than a woman <laughs> that can tuck herself into a tiny little ball and roll through. And like, fly
12: through the air. <laughs> fly the air. Um, I will say on Super Smash Bros., she is openly the hottest character on there. Yeah. Like she can I, get it. And she's got like a whip. I'm like, I, come on,
13: come on. How am I supposed to play this game? My hands are getting all sweaty on the controller. I'm like, oh my gosh, my kids are just <laughs> killing me because I'm just, I can't stop staring. <laughs> no, it's not that she's bad. She's just like whipping me more and more. and I'm like, yeah, I'll just hold this shield.
12: I would always give my kids a hard time though because I'd be like, I'm going to be, I get Samus. I would pick all in the tournament style. We'd play like four or five characters and I'd pick all Samuses because she was hot. And they're like, dad, stop. And I'm
0: like, Ugh, you hot. got
12: cooties. <laughs> <laughs> I like
13: no, trolling your, the kids. Was there like a female character in Leisure Suit Larry that you had the hots for? Who was yours?
12: Probably, but I can't remember her name.
13: <laughs> um, they didn't seem to care a lot about the women in those games.
12: <laughs> <laughs> no, I only really remember one scene, and I am not going to regale you with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> My first, the first one I can think of, character that I remember thinking was hot, was, and I, I went back and forth too, but it's got to be Kerrigan from oh, StarCraft. And this is probably, telling me a lot about you. No, this is pre. Azure oh yeah
13: when she's kerrigan. queen of blades
12: nope no pre-queen of blades you like, i hold holding down with your spiky oh, arm oh yeah dudes i love spikes uh love nothing's spikes, hotter is than all you seem to have to spikes offer and spikes and
13: then two gigantic boobs that's like all <laughs> kerrigan is that's all you need
12: uh, <laughs> and then carapace dreadlocks I think I don't know, Which uh,
13: honestly could be categorized
12: as spikes. Those fit into the spikes. Mm. They have little spikes on the end of them. Uh, So, yeah, I'd say probably Kerrigan. But the only character that I would say that I read because I have a hard time with this because I don't really. Like legitimately crush on video game characters like, you know, some people are like really into them. I just I don't. I don't connect with characters that way in in any form, really. Um, but I would say the character that the old, the character I came closest to caring about, connecting with, was in Mass Effect Two, Tali Zora, and I've talked about this before. She was the one that I was like, yeah, this is the character that I have to be with. Cause there was like Miranda who was like super hot. And you were like, Oh, like if you picked her as your romantic option, there was like a really steamy sex scene. Uh, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't no. do it because I liked Tolly too much. She was just, she was, you the gotta go with your heart <laughs> with my heart. And so Tali Zora was my pick. And so if I had to really, say there was one that came closest to being like caring about dating in a game it was Tali Zora dude I am so sorry but I, I gotta go
13: back to this I have been going through pictures of Kerrigan Queen of Blades and I was dead on dude it's just spikes and two boobs like the boobs are the only the only non spiky part the only unexposed like the the thing the part of her entire being <laughs> including her spiky wings her she has spikes coming off of her thighs, her knees, her mm-hmm. her ankles, her wrists, her elbows, her hair, her fucking face and her boobs though are smooth as a baby's ass. Yeah. Her, her skin is fucking phenomenal <laughs> for being some like bug creature. For being
12: a bug lady.
13: Yeah, there is she still has like sexy skin, nice defined cheekbones and smooth boobies because you wouldn't want to visually harm your 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 palms when you're visualizing i guess squeezing (laughs) kerrigan's boobs (laughs) who what giga virgin fucking designed kerrigan dude what is
12: that (laughs) dude dude, that's exactly what it is it was uh because they made her like really attractive before and -hmm. so they're like well after she has to be just like hot like like bad girl hot you know You could
13: have put just a couple you could have done a spike bra like you it, the, there the smooth, is boobs a, are so weird to there
12: me. is an official version of her i swear i promise you i've the I, this is just conjecture but where the there is a full-on carapace nipple uh but they had to take that out they had to yeah. get the rating
13: Damn it! Maybe that's why they were smooth because they initially they're like they have spikes. They each have a spike on them. <laughs> Fuck you! They guys. each have
12: one small spike. What's wrong
13: with you? Just go do that by yourself. <sighs> yeah. Put it in a video game. Um. Okay. So here is the I gotta for the follow up question is who is your current video game crush? I don't. I don't. All the characters that I I role play as. <laughs> that's it's the true. same chick every time. Um, but this is actually serves as an answer to both of these subset questions, um, mm. because this character uh, I am I, I am always crushing on, but I probably wouldn't want people to know how much I'm crushing on her. Uh,
12: That's why he gets so mad whenever she dies. Mm-hmm. He's not mad that he, his character died and he has to, like, go back at some point. He's mad because someone killed his crush. Look, I'm playing. I'm role playing as this character because I just
13: want to see her story play out. But I don't think I'm her at all. And if anything, in any of these stories where I'm playing through this this crazy character that Peterson knows in his head, but mm-hmm. I'll just describe briefly to you. She has white head, white hair, uh, just completely ghost white eyes, a facial scar or two, yeah, um, blood Maybe dripping it, down, a
12: tattoo if possible,
13: yes, a t- cool tattoo somewhere, uh, and probably half of her head is shaved. Mm-hmm. And, but, but no, I'm not, I'm not her. In this story, I'm like a tavern worker and she comes in and I just like ogle at her and just <laughs> hope she notices me.
12: And I'm like, dude, and she's always like, scares the shit super out. Super buff, super oh, scary, terrifying. And she's Jay- covered <laughs> in blood, soaked head to toe,
13: wrist deep in blood. And I'm just like, dang, can I prepare a room for you, madam? maybe just like fluff a pillow just anything i don't want to be in your way i you just want to serve you so uh
12: yeah now we're learning a lot about jd and then the last part of this question who is your video game crush you are ashamed to admit same oh
13: i ha- same, i have, have a answer. different one you actually so you're not going to tell us who your current crush is but you do have one you're ashamed of Yeah, yeah. Well and it's just like a
12: it's just it's more of a thing that I look at and I'm like, ooh, that's hot. Okay. You haven't played a lot of Fortnite, JD, (laughs) but all of the characters, male and female, have Cardi B. The best butts. Uh, oh, they got
13: good butt animation. Perfect.
12: Perfect butts every time. Dude, that's nice. And
13: it's Dude, both genders. It's just everyone. Uh, oh, everyone gets a nice every butt. time
12: because you know when you get a skin, like you're looking at when well, your skin or something, and you do the full like three sixty yeah. turnaround? Every time I do like a double take on the butt, I'm like, oh my gosh! And then when they're when they're parachuting in, mm. you get a nice like per- butt view while you're doing it. And like you know, a lot of the guys have capes. A lot of the skins have capes and stuff. But I have a Shame. couple skins. Like I have a, a soccer, a female soccer player skin. Mm. And I have a female, I got around Christmas time. She's wearing like a onesie Christmas jammies. And every time I'm like, dude, "That that's a nice butt. It's yeah. a very, dude, I'm just saying. Do I need to go buy some Christmas jammies? Some some onesies
13: <laughs> for my wife?
12: Dude, so I guess my ashamed uh, crush is fort, just like almost any Fortnite, Fortnite skin. Butts. I'm not even a butt guy. And I'm always like, dang, you that's a Fortnite perfect butt. Guy. butt. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. They're just perfect every time. Oh, so. my goodness. Okay. I'm going to start um, sending you screenshots now.
13: Yeah, I'm actually mildly curious. Okay. <laughs> Dude, they're perfect. Uh, okay, do you want to do this
12: one or do you want to do this one? Uh, yeah, I have I have one for Joe Mero's. Joe Jomero okay. had a three-part one question, and now he has a second question. Yeah, so uh, let's do that so. one.
13: Uh, what was a video game moment you were embarrassed to have someone walk in on or catch you playing or watching? Uh, or if this moment wasn't... Uh, what's a moment you quickly shut down when you knew someone was coming? What is... It? I, I gotta know. What is yours?
12: Okay, so I played... I, this was when I was playing The Witcher 1. Uh, the Witcher games have full frontal nudity in them. Tight. Um, but there's a section where you have to talk to a dryad a lot. And so, like, okay, I'm okay. It's just to set up the scene, I am playing the Witcher. I'm being very careful because at this point in my life, the computer, we lived in a small house. The computer was just out in the living room.
13: And so how like, old is your oldest at this point?
12: Uh, he was probably, like, four. Okay. So, like, a four to two-year-old. A little the young Witcher. for
13: Geralt's adventures.
12: Yeah, and so and my wife's sitting there, and I'm just playing, and I'm talking to this dryad. And the first and the scenes when you're talking to characters, kind of scene kind of moves around a little bit. Yeah, so I'm talking to her, and it's just her face, whatever. And then it just like does a little zoom out, and you're getting like from the waist up, and she is naked. She doesn't have any top <laughs> on, so you're just getting plant. Is lady it dryad a human? She's like a human plant lady uh so she's green and you're getting full boobs and you're like oh my gosh but i think i think they even had like like you would back off even a little bit and there was no there was a a bush (laughs) for the for the (laughs) plant lady oh man for the plant lady (laughs) was so good i get it now um and so, yeah, it, I, I, but so I'm doing this and then I'm like, oh, shoot, uh, my wife's right there. So I'm like, I'm in this conversation. I'm supposed to do it. And I just shut the computer off. Oh
13: <laughs> and my God, like, just,
12: the classic turn off the monitor. It's
13: like, I, oh, that I, don't, it. I
12: don't, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Dang oh my it. God. Did she see it then? I don't, I don't know. I don't think it off so. too she soon. didn't say anything. Amazing.
13: Yeah. So. i never had an incident where it was close but i will confess that i spent a uh, embarrassing amount of time at the strip clubs in this game called the saboteur <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> video game strip clubs uh it was a long boring summer i guess i don't know i was just like well this is what i'm gonna do is throw like Fake money, and this was this game. It was based on the French resistance in like Paris during World War II, mm-hmm. and uh, there were strip clubs, and you could just go in them and just like sit there and spend your money. And were
12: play. they like strip clubs in like lots of the games where they're just uh like mostly undressed, like yeah, barely clothed?
13: I think, I think it was topless. Oh, and I shoot. just
12: so the full. But the best caboodle. part is, dude, this
13: came as a DLC. It was like okay. part of this DLC that if you got like if you bought it at like GameStop or something, it came with it. So I just happened to get it and it was like on the box and I was like, oh, I'll download it. But I was like, that is such a weird thing that they advertised." So I felt because I downloaded the DLC, I was like, oh, well, I got to go check out strip clubs. That's all the whole the whole point. Um, yeah, but no. And I think I, I, I don't think I would have even gone near one if uh, anyone had been home. I was just like, uh. This is this is the among the more shameful things I've done.
12: <laughs> hey, i all, all got them, I guess.
13: <laughs> Why do they put them in there? What am I supposed to do? Walk yeah. past them?
12: Walk past with my eyes closed. I'm not a Puritan <laughs> not... in this game.
13: <laughs> all right. Our next one comes from Garrett Bracken. And uh, he asks, they're making Stormlight into a series. And uh are, and you is put you're put in charge of it what service is it going to be on and who are the leads so this so is start. for me oh no, go I'll ahead
12: start. <laughs> i'll start so
13: we're putting stormlight on paramount plus uh
12: because i don't even like your answer i know i don't
13: uh so first off uh let's do some casting choices kaladin <laughs> kaladin's gonna go to daniel radcliffe uh he'll beef up a little bit please He's fine. stop He'll grow his hair out. It'll look good. It's either him or Gal Gadot. Uh, Shalan. Shallon. Oh,
12: gosh. Lindsay Shallan. Lohan. Shalan
13: goes to Lindsay Lohan. The she does freckles, have to be the redheaded. The hair. Yeah. The sassitude. Um, Dalinar. That's...
12: Dalinar. Yeah, Dalinar
13: right. is, is Bruce Campbell for sure. Wait, who's Bruce Campbell? Bruce Campbell. Um, oh, you're going to like this. Oh, you're I'm gonna be like, oh, That's not bad. Give him a little gray. Oh,
12: yeah. Okay. I'll tell you why you're wrong on all these, but keep going.
13: Oh, you think I'm being serious about these? No. Lift is whoever played Arya in Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, Seth. Uh, whoever Seth. Seth, yeah, that's the kid who played Ong in the Avatar live action movie. It he's did. older now, so he can play that. That kind
12: of fits because he's bald. Yep. Uh... Shave his
13: head. Keep him the same character. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then talln is obviously Idris Elba. That seems to be like a no-brainer. I
12: have I have a couple casting requirements. Idris Elba is one of them. Done.
13: I knew that um, one was gonna be a winner. That seems like there was no one else for that role when I saw like the description of the character.
12: Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, oh, the other actor that I just want to slot into there somewhere is uh G Honso. You know what I'm talking about? No. The uh he's in uh he's in uh He's the African guy in uh, The Gladiator. You know what I'm talking about now? Oh, my God. I love that fucking actor. Me, too. I like it. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy's tight.
13: I, like uh, I do know his fucking name. He's but, in Constantine. I love him. I know it's a weird reference, the Constantine with uh, Keanu Reeves. He's yeah. so good in that. He's, he's, he's always
12: good. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I didn't cast these because here's why. They're on every, every Stormlight Archive, Facebook and Reddit and everything. They do these fan casting, and it kind of goes out of hand. The only requirement that I have is I want most of the quote-unquote humans uh, in the Stormlight Archive to be played by Asian actors. Because the characters, uh, the Alethi, which is like the, the, I'd say, the main character race. Mm-hmm. uh all have kind of an asian look and so i want asian actors and i want a lot of no names um because if you've watched a lot of the asian shows recently like korean uh what was the the people in uh what was that one that went crazy the triangle squid squid game oh yeah there's like a lot of unknown unknown in the u.s actors but they're like Known, really well good. known in Korea, and they're very good, right? Yeah. And so I want some good. Was uh, that the case
13: with Shang Chi that they had a mm-hmm. couple of of like uh, actors from I think Asia and Korea, or from China and Korea China. that were really, really.
12: Dude, that's so. That's what I want. I want most of them to be Asian, and that's here is the thing. I don't know most of them, so like whenever I see these fan casting things. The only thing I can say is nope that's wrong. Like a lot of them feel wrong. <laughs> there's a couple older there's a couple older Asian guys that I'm like, "Oh, it would fit perfect into the role of like Dalinar." But this has to be on Amazon Prime because they seem to give the right amount of leeway and leeway. uh and kind of the creative decision making. Uh, plus Sanderson has worked with them in the past with Wheel of Time. And uh I just want lots of Asian American actors in there that I probably don't know. but I do want Jim and Honso in there. I want Idris Elba somewhere because I want him and everything. Okay. For some reason, I just love those guys. Uh, so yeah, those are my only requirements. Um
13: can we find a room in there for Randall Park, the
12: which place
13: Asian Jim? in the office. Oh, who is was most recently in the MCU, see. uh, in the, um, <clears throat> yeah. Scarlet witch thing.
12: Oh, we could find a place for Randall Park. Yeah, Randall Park, Park, he, Randall Park would be a good, uh, bridge Four member. So just like one of the, like, I'd say tertiary secondary or tertiary characters in mm-hmm. the story, he would be great for one of those characters. The only thing is you have to make him look grizzly. And I'm not sure I've seen Randall Park be grizzly yet. So,
13: but he's very funny and attractive, and he looks exactly like Jim. <laughs> okay. uh Our next one is there anything else? I'm sorry, I don't want to move no. on. No, nope, more that's it,
12: that's it. I don't okay, want to. Our go next one comes from
13: Skyler, and he asks, uh, "Your family, dog, significant other, whomever is kidnapped, and you are given a specific video game to beat to free them from, capti- from captivity. You're given two choices." <laughs> 1 choose from a game you're great at but your performance must be impeccable and nothing short of perfection is requested by the captors or 2 they give you a game of their choice and give it and you give it your best shot the rules for release are not clearly stated by the captors but you feel semi confident the rules are much more loose but you're still not told what they are which do you choose do you choose option 1 which game is it
12: okay so option so here's here it is your family's kidnapped and they're like here here you go you can play two games one you have to choose a game of your choice that you're very good you at, and you got to be nail perfect. It. You got to nail it. Or two, we'll pick a game, and you have to do good. But uh, we haven't given you any other criteria. You just have to give it your best go. So, and then you can get them back. Yeah. Okay. Well. What so, do you are do? you
13: gambling on how good you are generally at video games? I feel like I'm pretty good, but I'm not.
12: I am very mediocre. Like yeah. even at my best games, like Rocket League, yeah. I'm still like essentially pretty. I'm mediocre. thinking more
13: single player games. This kind of struck me as a single player game question.
12: Yeah, and then so single player games, it's yeah, kind I'm of pretty the same. good at those. I
13: beat them all at uneasy.
12: So I mean, yeah.
13: Fuck. So I'm trying to think like if they, but they'd probably give me a. hard... No, I think ultimately my safe bet here because i'm playing this i got i got two i got two approaches here but first of all obviously i'm going to go with the uh the game i know and the game i've played and beaten the most in my life which okay. is pokemon blue
12: <laughs> okay
13: um and i'm gonna take my time <laughs> perfection is very subjective it seems in pokemon um Say I never have a Pokemon faint. Say I catch all the Pokemon. Whatever it is, I can make that happen. I'm good enough at that game. I can do whatever it needs to be. And if I need to grind away, take a couple extra hours and grind my Pokemon up to a certain level, that's great. Because all I'm really doing here is buying Jenna time to kill, to be, get free and kill her captives and then uh, come yeah, rescue me.
12: Yeah, I don't think Garrett understands, or Skylar. Sorry, this was Skylar. Skylar mm-hmm. understands uh jenna right now because <laughs> uh it, it, jd's absolutely scary. right jenna has been taking uh what's it called uh, jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu and she has been you know because she's been doing that she's uh getting some muscle she's bulking up and uh yeah so i think I think really, JD's right. He's dude, just by I, you. You time...
13: kidnap Jenna. I'm like, good luck, dude. Yeah, I'm just gonna play Pokemon. Until you know what? I'm uh, just gonna. Uh, you get a phone him. call from her
12: <laughs> until she shows. Walks in the door <laughs> from your
13: from your bloody... guys' phone. <laughs> How did She's you like, get this number? <laughs> Quit
12: playing games, JD. I'm free.
13: <laughs> I'm coming for you next. I'm like, oh no! I'm only on the third gym, <laughs> Jenna.
12: <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> Oh, they said I had gosh.
13: to play the game perfect.
12: I'm trying my best. <laughs> She's like, it's been three weeks. I had to murder six people. She's dripping. I know. Blood.
13: You have no idea how hard it is to <laughs> grind to the third gym without losing a single Pokemon. My
12: thumbs hurt. You know
13: what it's... I've been dealing with? <laughs> so, Peterson, what is your choice? So, uh, this, my first. This, like, Sophie's choice of video games. My
12: first thought was, like. I don't know, funny but morbid at the same time. I was like, well, if they're going to treat my family okay, I'm going to pick a really long, easy game yes, so I can get I like a nice break. So I can just relax for a minute. Uh,
13: that's how bad I need a break. I'm like, you're going to kidnap my family? Are you feeling them? And are then, they well taken care of?
12: And then you're going to let me play video
13: games? <laughs> yes. this, is,
12: this is, am I on vacation? Oh, God. What just happened?
13: I need a vacation, man. <laughs> I think we need to take some time off of fucking work. <laughs> 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 yeah. We... <laughs> this sounds awesome. This sounds like the best scenario Dude, ever. Kidnap away.
12: Um, yeah, so I would probably pick... So, realistically, I'd pick probably option two mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know. I'm not that great at any game. I don't replay a lot of games. Um... But yeah, so I don't know. I'd probably pick option two and just roll the dice. You know what I mean?
13: What, what are game? they? Gonna... Oh, oh, oh no.
12: sorry. Option two is roll the dice. Yeah, they okay. they pick a game for me because I'm pretty good at games. I'm yeah. not amazing. I'm pretty good at games. And so I'm confident I could beat a game. Uh, just don't I bet make I'm it a better at games than they are. Mm.
13: They've been busy kidnapping.
12: Yeah. Uh, but... All I do is fucking play video games. Yeah, like nerds don't kidnap people.
13: So yes, so maybe their vision of view, they're like, oh, I know play Fortnite. I'm
12: Like, oh, and you're like, yeah, but oh, what if they okay. make you like
13: win a chicken dinner in Fortnite?
12: Uh, how many chances do I get?
13: I don't fucking know. If
12: there, I get one chance, ch- yeah, it's not gonna happen. If I get like ten chances, it'll happen. No way. Yeah, I I'll get if a if lot of. It uh, it's not called a chicken dinner, by the way. That's PUBG. So, I wow. If they said get a chicken dinner in Fortnite, I'd be like, okay, okay.
13: All right, all let right. Let me tell I you how
12: wrong you are. <laughs> you have a gun to
13: my head, but I have to call you an idiot right now. I'm so <laughs> sorry. You're an idiot. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Our next one comes from Strazda's. And they ask, uh, you can build the perfect video game for somebody else that has been on the podcast.
12: Who do you pick and what game do you create? This one was kind of hard for me, but when I came Same. to it, I was like, you know what? I really like this. Same. I picked Lynn. Tight. And here's why. I feel like Lynn has a very specific, like, she loves, what, is, what game did she love? It was Stardew, right? Yeah, Stardew Valley. She, she loves Stardew, and uh, so I want essentially a Stardew type of game. I want to include more cats, because uh, I know Lynn appreciate c- appreciates cats. Cat Do Valley. <laughs> Dude, cats funny yeah. like, catnip. Yeah, you're not making relationships with people. There's, like, cats all around the town, and you're, like, <laughs> trying to essentially uh, get the cats to like you. Right. Um, but also, here is something I and and I want you to take this the right way cuz I think Lynn would just get a kick out of it and really appreciate it. I want the whole thing to have a uh Korean vibe. Oh. So Lynn is uh Korean American and uh she she she's been kind of diving into that lately. She's she's making uh kimchi. She's got a kimchi business.
13: So you guys are in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hit us up on Discord. Yeah, and we'll hook you up with Lynn's
12: kimchi per- homemade kimchi recipe. She's got a couple sauces. And she would deliver stuff too. It to your house. So yeah, uh, really awesome. But like, can you can you imagine how just over the moon she would be Korean if cat and, started and there was valley. like some yes. K-pop playing on it? Like, yes. she would just be so happy. And all I really want is Lynn to be happy. So, <laughs> dude, like. I don't know. Like I just thought of this and I was like, she she would just absolutely get a kick out of all of that. So that's it's what like I a want. you're you're
13: basically making a custom Lynn skin for Stardew Valley. Yep. I like that. I like that proposition.
12: Okay, go ahead and do yours.
13: Well, we can wait. I'll wait.
12: No, go ahead. You're good.
13: Okay. Um, so mine would be for I thought about this a lot because I thought about like like you. I was like, who could it be for? Who could I do this with? Because um, I was like, ah, it's too easy to just do it with Peterson or Trent. And then I was thinking Jackson would be a perfect person to build a game for. Um, one thing about Jackson that you guys might not know is that he can only play games for a certain amount of time, especially games with like a lot of stuff moving because he'll get a headache or he'll kind of get just like motion sickness. So like a game like I think you could play a game like Civ forever or even a game like League of Legends or Diablo where it's, you know, a standard map.
0: <laughs> Nothing. Mm-hmm.
13: It's just like the characters moving on a flat surface. Um, but like a first person shooter, or those types of third person action games, just so much on the screen moving at a time. He just needs a break. Uh, so it, it would be kind of good. It would be kind of fun to build one for Jackson. So for Jackson, there's a couple elements that this game needs to have. Uh that i've noticed that he likes about games it should have at least four player co-op more more would be better uh there needs to be explosions and shooting uh there need to be funny sayings like butt finger and hurry up baby oh yeah butt finger what is that from it's from double dragon neon which that's is right the <laughs> most hilarious meta commentary and the dialogue in the it just game. had
12: us rolling
13: so funny um, and then, uh, but like I mentioned, it should have regular breaks from the action. Uh, so Jackson's brain and stomach can, can have a break. So this is the game I've designed for him. We're looking at like a D and uh, kind of action hack and slash style game. So if Jackson wants to go in and just be, and so everyone can play different roles. So if you want to be the mage in the bat casting spells, or if you want to be the healer or the rogue, whatever you want to do. But the beauty here is you go and you do these these dungeons or whatever, and then there's long breaks for decision trees, storytelling, like when you're talking to you know a quest giver and everyone in the in the party is kind of talking about how we should discuss it. So it would have like really long breaks in between the action, a little um, bit of
12: inventory management, just to inventory kind
13: of... management, yeah, just really chill. And you're moving as a party, so it's not like. You'd need to, you know, one person can just move you around and then you have the little action battle and that's where the co-op fun thing is. But I think just kind of sitting there and chilling um, and then having a, uh, like a cool action scene and then shitting and like talking about where the story should go and what our characters should do. I think that would be the perfect game for Jackson.
12: Yep. no, that that seems that seems. There's gotta be something like that out there.
13: Kinda of made me think of Wildermyth. If Wildermyth was uh had more action in the uh yeah. instead of if it instead of it being turn-based. a turn based, if it was like that would be kind of a co op action battle, and then that action battle could have you know, you lose a character there. Yeah. And then you've lost that character for the game. You know
12: that that would be fun, like a Wilder myth, but like an action wilder myth instead of yeah. a turn like the turn base is fun, but that would be kind of cool to yeah. like play through, and you're like, ah, crap, I messed up. Like, I went to him, and now my character's <laughs> dead, like my or I died. lost an arm, I or have whatever. No
13: barbarians left. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's and that's another thing that I was thinking is, are there a lot of games that that function that way that have uh, big breaks in the action, um, for like long, and I uh, maybe I think this sounds like a JRPG convention yeah i describing so maybe jackson just needs to play more jrpgs where they're just like we're going to talk forever but i thought the aspect of like actually contributing to the storytelling might be really fun mm-hmm. um our next one is our next listener question comes from scott again who asked with size uh, becoming an issue and all games downloading a portion of one is it possible in this digital age uh what do you guys think if we had the full engines on our systems and games just accessed what they needed so if, if I, what I can understand um, from Scottigan's question here is that if we could have uh, game engines actually loaded onto our our PCs, so that games could just draw from them directly instead of having to load the engine um, and then the game on top of it, if I understand correctly, and I think Peter Symetric both agreed that the answer here is that we don't understand enough about
12: we don't know how games work.
13: What I just like, said may just completely be gibberish. It is my best understanding of, of what your question. So asks.
12: Are you like saying like we would have it like Unreal Five on the machine, on and it would just like pull
13: stuff from that, and you just play it on top of that build? I guess. I mean, anything to make it easier for my computer and my computer not to be ninety degrees centigrade when dude. I play Valheim, dude. Valheim. Dude. Dude. I turn Whatever it on it and
12: it immediately starts like I'm like, oh, it's I turn warm the heat in off in my now. house because <laughs>
13: now I have a fucking fireplace next to my face. It's <laughs> melting the right half of my screen. <laughs> it's just blasting hot air. Just <laughs> oh, man. Yeah.
12: Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I yeah, I, I think JD and I are of one mind on this that we don't understand. One small mind. Games, how they actually run. I still think it's magic a little bit. Um and mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know if you're uh, talking about a different kind of magic to run on my yeah. Computer. You're telling me
13: you take a bunch of sand and you press it into like a, a big square and then you put little bumps on it and run electricity through that. And now I can play Valheim. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get that. I don't, I don't understand. Know. I'm not a wizard. Yeah. Why are the Why are the motherboards green? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Asking the important questions. I don't know any. That's what I'm saying. I don't know the basics uh next question comes from Silverthorn, uh, who asked, inspired by the new Fortnite season, if you could remove a key feature of a game but keep it fun and playable, what would that game and feature be? I loved this question.
12: Yeah, because they're referring to uh the removal of the building mechanic in the uh Battle Royale version of Fortnite. Mm-hmm. So that is what we're referring to. Um, so, yeah, I, I this is this is a great question. When they yeah, sent it to was... me, I was like, I love it. I love this question so much. We'll definitely do it on the show. So was it
13: hard for you to answer, though?
12: Oh, uh, yes, because I felt like I came up with the most uh, low hanging fruit answer out there right now. OK, uh, now I got to hear it with the low hanging fruit. Give me a stupid difficulty option in Souls-like in games. Souls-like in Elden <laughs> Elden Ring just give me a difficulty options. Like I know this isn't new. People have talked about it and then the I'm going like, to I'm going to trigger some people here but like the fans of these games are like mm. well if you want a difficulty setting then you're missing the whole point of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and
13: you're like, I, look, I, I want to tell just... me the point of the game. Let me play the game and tell you. The I just want to have I fun.
12: I yeah. didn't realize the point was to suffer. I want to have fun and like, let me do that in my own way. Why? It's a single player game. Why do you care? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's the like lowest hanging fruit that I could think of. The other one was because we've been playing another quick round of Valheim. Say it. I was like, just get rid of the stamina. Oh. This is the thing that so I just fly up mountains hate the most. Yeah, because like at some point in in Valheim, you are like create. You've spent all this time creating weapons and armor and doing all this stuff, but I will still die to a pack of three wolves because I've run out of stamina. I can't block. I can't hit. I can Every do death nothing. I've ever had has been stamina. Yeah, because I can do nothing, and I'm like. Just just let me run, and let me swing, and well, I don't know. You just, just want unlimited mana in your game. I it want to be so a Skyrim broken. character, so I can just swing away, sw- mash that button, and just start slaughtering stuff.
13: This guy, I feel like Skyrim has stamina, too. It's not nearly, that nearly that as punishing. It's not no. nearly
12: as punishing.
13: No, probably not. Like If you're um, in
12: a fight in Valheim that's longer than 10 seconds, you're out of stamina. You're going to run out of stamina. You can't get away. It, uh, anyway, anyways, that's the I hate well, stamina. I hate mana.
13: I love that. I have one for Valheim, too. Um, This is OK. So this is I feel like the spirit of Silverthorn's question is removing a key feature of a game, but keep it fun and playable. I think if you removed all the enemies in Valheim, it would be a fascinating game.
12: That would be so boring.
13: I know. It would You're be talking, it would just be all based on exploration. This is
12: Minecraft creative mode. Yeah, is
13: that what it and there is a version of Valheim that is, I think, just creative mode. It's like you this. Just go in and build and um, but I think there's stuff. like all sorts of things. But I think the idea of leaving it like the classic game I don't know. I guess you wouldn't have many motives to to upgrade
12: armor or items, so that wouldn't be. Fun. It would just be building. Like that's the just that, be. That's why you do that because you want to build something epic without a uh, a pack of trolls coming and smashing it to the ground. You know what I mean?
13: Yeah, and I guess I'm saying this because I have been playing that no boss run uh, lately, and so it's been essentially that. Like there, I don't, I don't have really enemies. They don't raid my base. Uh, They're not spawning that because I haven't beaten the very first boss. So like a lot of the spawns that kick off, haven't kicked off. Um, So, but there are definitely still enemies and I'm still hitting things with swords
12: and stuff. So the other thing that I thought of for this, it's just, for me, it's just removing a limitation. I know in Fortnite, it was like complete changing the game completely, Mm -hmm. but I hate limitations sometimes in games. I don't want to be God mode all the time. Right. But, I hate uh, when you're playing a game that has ammo and you never have enough ammo, Hmm. right? If I'm playing Bioshock, that was a big complaint of mine. I just let me have so much ammo that I'm at, at, you know, two hours into the game, I'm never worrying about ammo again because there's just ammo everywhere. I don't want to worry about ammo. I just want to shoot stuff when I can shoot stuff. And if that means adding in a few more guys or something, so you have to be less thoughtful about uh, how you approach situations, because sometimes I just don't want to be thoughtful about how I'm... I don't like stealth in games. In Last of Us, that was a complaint of mine. Like, I just wanted to... Sometimes I just wanted to shoot everything and shoot everybody, but they were like, no, you gotta sneak, and then stealth kill this guy, and Sometimes I don't want to do that. Sometimes I just want to get in a gunfight and just shoot everybody and not worry about switching guns mid fight because I'm out of ammo in three of them, you know? Yeah. So I don't like limitations like that. And I get why they're in games, but. You just want to hold the trigger down forever. I want to, if it's a shooting game, bait. I want to shoot.
4: <laughs> I love that. Remove stealth.
12: I'll... Just get rid of
13: everything that's in a Splinter Cell game. Okay, so our last question is a voicemail or uh, yeah, the voicemail that we got from Jacob Stewart. So we'll play that right now.
12: Choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-boo,
13: guys. What's up? It's Jake, your boy from Discord. Hey, uh,
12: I have a question for you. So recently I took some time off to play Elden Ring Day One. I don't often get a lot of time to play these days uh,
13: uninterrupted. So it was amazing. When's the last time you guys played something day one, took time off to play it? Also, do you have any fun things that you do that go along with that? Like any fun traditions or anything like that?
14: Alright. See you later. Bye. So,
12: okay. By the way, I love that he starts with choo 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 boo guys.
13: <laughs> Just Incredible. The what Jackson
12: a- the best uh... greeting there is. <laughs> I Love, I loved it so much. So Jacob, well done, because that one killed me.
13: Nailed it, straight
12: on. And I love how he's just nonchalant about it. Choo 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 Boo, guys. Hey, it's like, he just be to...
13: No, that's that's aloha for. That's
12: who how we to greet each
13: other. Boo means hello and goodbye, and also good day. <laughs> um, so. I can't honestly remember the last time I did this, um, other than Fallout Four. That's what I was gonna like, say.
12: I know you did it for Fallout Four
13: because I always take off the last couple weeks of the year, um, generally, and I just and it used to be to play video games, but now I've got like holiday stuff. I'm always doing shit all week long. Got to take care
12: of dogs.
13: Got dogs to take care of. Yeah, because Fallout Four was like pre like London, man. That was yeah. that was the good old days, dude. That um, was wasn't
12: that pre Jenna?
13: No, I think she was around. Maybe I don't think so. Maybe she wasn't.
12: I think that Um, was, I think that was, oh, yeah, it was pre Jenna. Mm -hmm. So,
13: yeah, so that was a problem. I remember Um, you
12: streaming your playthroughs of that in your underwear essentially for Jeff.
13: Yeah, it was for Jeff. (laughs) Um, but I remember doing that in this house, which I only had with Jenna. So, I don't know. That may have been the second playthrough. Long story short. Uh, no, I haven't done this for longer than I should have. Although I might do it the next Valheim update, just so I can keep up with those dudes.
12: They go. I might have to
13: literally take days off of work just to keep up with the amount of time they put into Valheim.
12: Yeah, the people who play on the server with us—they go hard.
13: They go hard. It's hard to keep up, but yeah, I have not done that. Um. But I that was my ritual was taking the last couple. So I would take it the week between uh, Christmas and New Year's off. And then obviously there's a couple days before Christmas you usually get. And then I would that would just be it was just playing Fallout. Oh, you know what it was, Peterson? You know what Fallout? Jenna was uh, home for for the holidays. Is that what it was? So she wasn't even there. Yeah. So that was that's the a good thing, because
12: I don't know if you guys would have made it this far. If she would have seen what we had. She would have see.
13: seen what I did in Fallout 4. No. <laughs> Probably not. Um, that just, dude, that just makes me sad. This question makes me fucking sad.
12: Okay. I, I have need to s- do
13: this. I, I haven't been response. that excited. Harry Potter. That's it. I'm doing it with Harry Potter. I'm going to burn a million candles. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to get a bunch of butterbeer. I'm going to get a hat and a cloak and an owl and Wait, a frog.
12: Where are you going to get an owl?
13: I've got time. I live. can
12: I can rent an owl, okay? I the zoo is not that far. I can owl
13: <laughs> in the next year and come sit in my house while I play this game. I will be taking off time off of work to play Hogwarts Legacy there. I stamped it. Okay. Brought it full circle, Jacob.
12: All right. So, my answer to this is that I it also made me very sad and jealous because I have never done this. Um and it's mostly because So when I really started getting into into gaming, I was already married and in college and uh, I never really was at a point. Even like even now, like I could take a day off, but then Mm -hmm. I'd be home and then like the kids are going to come home. It's not the same. I I'd say the last time that I did anything close to this. Um, and it wasn't even a brand new like day one type of game, but I wanted to play Jade Empire mm-hmm. on the Xbox, and this is I was newly married. Kelsey was uh she was on the volleyball team at Utah State, and so it was during their season. So she was traveling mm-hmm. and I ditched classes and called in sick
5: oh, just to like yeah.
12: power through. And I remember I played this game for like 16 hours straight because I was home alone. And I remember this because our house had no air conditioning and I was so hot. I remember just being so hot and finally getting to the point in the day where I could put a fan in the window and cooling down and then nighttime coming. And I was like, okay, now I can really play. And it was like 18 hours or something. So I've never done on a day one release, uh, because I'm often the one who's most hesitant to buy games day one. I always wait because I hate it. I hate buying a full price game and then being disappointed in it. Oh, yeah. We've all been burned. So I just don't do it anymore. So, yeah, I don't, Jacob, I'm so sorry, man. I've never done it. I don't have any rituals. I've just, maybe I'm, maybe I'm lame. I don't know, but I've, I've never done it. And it does make me sad because it sounds I mean, as you can tell from our answer to Skylar's question, it's that's the dream, right? I just want to sit down uninterrupted in game for a long time.
13: I just realized that this I have a couple of these because uh, you just asked the most recent one. But the other one I used to do uh, all the time with Jeff, we called it Gears Day. Every time a new Gears of War game came out, we would just sit down uh, and just try to beat it all in a sitting. Oh One of our houses, we'd just, we'd just get the new game the first day. We'd start early in the morning. Uh, we'd go grab lunch, like fast food, halfway through. But like we would play, and I think two times we, we beat Gears of War 2. And Gears of War, I think, Judgment Day this way. And we were up to like three or four. Uh, but it was awesome. Just sitting mm-hmm. in co-op, beating a game for the very first time, and playing through all the, the new stuff. Uh, and Gears of War was always so well-built for co-op. Um, the campaign at least. That yeah, that was so much fun. I remember Gears Day. That was a blast. Just like <laughs> so much junk food and just playing, and the fact that it was co-op. Yeah, doesn't get much better than that. Oh, well, I man. did
12: that one time with Halo Two. Mm-hmm. I think it was Halo Two, but it had already been out for a little while, and we're like, "Hey, let's just do a full playthrough tonight." Yeah, and we just ordered pizza and beat the whole game in one night. You know, that
13: counts, man. That counts.
12: But it was like a we just did it to do it,
13: you know. If you beat a whole game in a sitting with a bunch of friends, that counts. You've had you've had this experience. That's cool. All right, um let's move on to Dice.
12: Dice of Destiny. <laughs> All right,
13: Dice of Destiny is this fun little Game we play at the end of every episode, we roll a six sided dice to see who will be responsible for rolling the dice of Destiny, a 20 sided dice with 20 different game genres assigned to it. After that person uh, rolls their game genre, then they roll another six sided dice to see how much money they can spend on the game. And then they pick it, play it, review it. A million years ago, Peterson rolled an anime game for like $30. He picked Near Automata and he played it. Peterson, what? Did you think about this game?
12: I think it's near automata near a tomato near automata. Um, okay. (laughs) So I played near automata and, uh, okay. This game was highly reviewed, uh, meaning had great, crazy, good reviews. It's been out for a few years. Um, highly recommended, and I can see why I can see why, but uh, just as just to pr- prep everyone, my review is not all positive and rosy as, as you might hope. So it's not all thong ladder upskirts, <laughs> which is, which <laughs> happened. I, I look, you play an Android and we she had a wears a thong. about
13: why that Android is wearing any underwear at all. Let like alone why, thong? Yeah.
12: Why did this, this and- I dude, it was weird. Anyway, so I'll start at the beginning. Near Automata is a I I can't even tell you like what type of game it is. Uh, meaning the the angle because the angle when you're in game in combat changes fairly hmm. regularly, which yeah. was interesting. But I will say, is this, this game is impossible to play on a mouse and keyboard? And I'm not just saying like it is impossible. Like it, no, it's actually impossible. <laughs> Not
13: Peterson impossible, just actual impossible.
12: Yeah, yeah. Like one of my special moves. So you're on WASD, right? And your mm-hmm. special attack is backslash. WasD. And you're like, oh, that's backslash. not on the same side of the keyboard. So you're playing... What? Dude, it was Did crazy. you give so...
13: up and start playing with the controller?
12: So the second it said that, like when I earned my my special attack, I was like... Nope, this is a controller game. <laughs> and it is. And honestly, the controls with a controller are fantastic.
13: Because this wasn't this a, a PlayStation? game. It was yeah, a PlayStation okay. game. That's what I thought.
12: And so on a uh, controller, I mean, honestly, the combat controls felt very fluid, seamless. Uh, the combat itself felt very fluid. It was very responsive. You clicked Kay. dodge, your character would dodge right away. So that was the, the combat was really wonderful. Um, so you start off and it is a it is you're like a ship combat like you're in a spaceship and you're doing like the side scrolling view and then it will move to a top down view and then you're like shooting things all around you and then it'll move to uh, like a, 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 top, a top down view where you're just in the bottom of the screen like centipede style. And then, and the things are coming from the top, right? Instead of like, yeah. stri- so the view changed. There was probably four or five different uh, views in the combat, which was good because it changed things up, but it was also bad because it was like a little bit confusing at first. Um, and And then early on, very early on, I discovered my biggest gripe about the game was that when you die, uh, you go back to uh, whatever save point you found, and at the beginning, that save point is the very start. And I had to watch the cutscene, uh, the unskippable whole thing, cutscene, unskippable. What cut is scene. it with
13: anime games that think their cutscenes are just so they just must be seen over you and see over? This. They are they are they are absolutely vital to the gameplay itself.
12: It's crazy. I was like, I got it, I got the story. So <laughs> I, I, I had to it. do that a couple times. Thanks. Mostly because I was getting I was really kind of discovering the combat in the beginning. Like how do I do these things? If I if I chain these together, how does that work? How does that sure. look like? Can I shoot and swing at the same time? Because once you land and you're the android, you have like a floating robot box that flies above you and mm-hmm. it shoots. So you have swords and you do melee combat, but this thing also shoots. And the controls Saltrax. are good enough to where you can do them both at the same time pretty easily. Uh, and it works well. Um, the combat is forgiving; it's very forgiving in that there's like a auto-target button for the closest enemy for the shooting. So you can okay. just click the right trigger, and it will auto-target to the next to the closest thing. Like that, and it will just stay on it. So it makes it a little easier. You can take that off if you need it off. But you're an, you're a couple you're an android. You meet up with another android, a male android, and you guys are. You are androids from the moon because humans have abandoned earth because aliens attacked earth yep. and they won and they left a bunch Makes of robots sense. there. Right. And you can't, uh, you can't, you, the robots beat the humans. So we Wait, left- what about
13: the aliens? Weren't there robots, aliens, and humans?
12: So the aliens, the robots were from the aliens. Oh, they're alien robots. They put they okay. yes. Should have known. So they then the aliens left, but Earth is now populated by kind of old clunky robots. You're right. Humans are on the moon, so we we build this specialized android force to go down and fight. And that's what you are. You are controlling an android who is going down so to it's Earth. Human
13: robots versus alien robots for the yes. soul of the planet.
12: You got it. And you are much more advanced than the alien robots. The androids are way more advanced. They have thongs. So, you know,
13: thong level technology. Yeah.
12: Yeah. So. Forget the industrial um, age. Dude, we went straight to the thong age. Thong Cisco, thong, the thong thong Cisco age. made an appearance. It was, I don't know. <laughs> I, it felt weird, but now it makes yeah,
13: that, sense. The, the, you don't know it now, but history books will mark that Cisco song as a seminal moment in history. The year 2000. <laughs> the thong when age the, begins. Oh, <laughs> the beginning Fuck of the thong. Me. Fucking um, so it's kind of (laughs) accurate the 2000s were awful they were the thong era It just
12: started it it just started this so dumb um okay so you play that's that's the story and then you kind of as you go you get more weapons you can upgrade and upgrades for your thing if i'm being 100% honest i never fully understood the upgrading you use like these chips to upgrade you and your abilities and stuff never fully understood it I don't like it when games make the um, inventory system like a little confusing. Like, they've made it their own. Like, oh, you've got your HUD, and your HUD is your... Th- and then you've got don't your little box, wheel. and you've got just microchips. Wheel. You're like, dude, just... just, I don't know. So that yeah. was that was... I didn't want to learn a bunch of new things to play this game. Because when it came down to it, the game itself, for me, was not fun enough... For me to be like really, really into it. Yeah. It was very anime in that the music had that, like a lot of people online were praising the music of it. And the music I thought was weird. It now the sound design was great because it kind of crescendoed with your fighting and like and that's fine. It did like in boss fights and stuff, it did it was very well choreographed that way. But it was weird. It was like a lot of like weird vocalizations happening. And so the music, I did not, I did not find appealing. The combat was great. It was very seamless, but it started to feel a little, let start to feel less and less fun. And okay. that can happen in games. You know, these combat games, like it starts to get less exciting the more you play. And you learn new things, you get new weapons, but it never felt different enough to be, like, super excited about it. Um, And the story was, I mean, it was interesting, but a lot of weird stuff happened. Mm -hmm. Like, I was telling JD, I was like, okay, I just came into a clearing, and there are a bunch of, like, garbage can-looking robots simulating sex because they're trying to uh, make more robots. More garbage cans, dude. And it was b- bizarre. Humans, <clears throat> yes. And then a naked Ken doll android appeared and fought me. Uh, and, and by Ken like, I'm doll,
13: the best, I'm the best baby they've made so far. Yeah, bring and it he, on. I'm he was trash pretty baby. tough.
12: So, the game was interesting. The combat was fluid, seamless. The controls were fantastic. The sound design was well done. But it wasn't my cup of tea across the board. And that's kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel I, – I wasn't ever sucked into this game. Um, I, I knew things would happen. I'd be like, oh, cool. And then I'd kind of get used to it and be like, meh. Like, whatever, not that interesting. Oh, the other positive that I have, which is a big deal for me, and I've talked about this before, is the absolutely rewards exploration. Because there's a lot of exploring you can do. Little nooks and crannies, tops of buildings, like, you know, hard to get to spots. There's Mm -hmm. always something there for you to collect. There's a chest, there's a weapon, something. There's something there. They reward exploration, which is a big deal for me. So I absolutely appreciated that about the game. Do I love Nier? No. Do I hate it? Absolutely not. This is a, I can see why People were obsessed with it, why it was such a fantastic game. I did not finish my first playthrough. I know that was kind of a big deal. You got to get through all the endings and see all the stuff. Will I ever finish it? I don't know, but I will play more because it was interesting. And I do want to see kind of what's next, but I'm not like eager to play more. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not like excited about it um if i had to so uh, near for me i mean this is an easy one because it's a little bit of an older game so definitely buy on sale. sale buy on sale it'll go on sale i bought it on sale uh because it was 60 and it was 50 percent off so oh, i bought shit. it for 25 bucks
13: yeah don't buy this for 60
12: no um so so wait for a sale It'll go on big sale because it's like i said a little bit older if i had to compare this to a food it's a mango And here's why. If you've ever eaten a mango, like actually cut it yourself and just Mm -hmm. started eating it. I don't know if it's like this for you, but for me, the flavor changes throughout the mango. It is some points of it are very sweet, some points, sweet and like almost like peachy. Mm -hmm. Some points of it are very sour and some points of it are very nutty, like has a very nutty pine type of flavor. In the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like right towards the seed. Right. And so, uh, or the pit or whatever you call it. So mango kind of changed, has multiple flavors in it. And that's how I felt about this game. There was some really good things about it that I absolutely loved. There was a little things that were soured on me a little bit. And then it was a little nutty man. Uh, just kind of robots having sex. And, but there's very, like I said, very anime, like the things that I thought were weird, If you were really into anime, you probably wouldn't think it was that bizarre or off-putting. But it's not my, it's not my, like I said, not my cup of tea, so. Which is, uh, for me, the perfect saying. As a non-tea drinker, I'm like, yeah, that's great for me. Yeah,
13: it's not my cup of tea. Tons of people like tea. They must,
12: there must be something to it. Yep. And I do like tea. This just was like a weird uh, black tea for me, which I am not into
13: drinking that okay. i don't understand
12: anyway so near yeah uh it, it is a play mango if you like
13: that. that you should wait to buy on sale wait till it's a little riper okay that means we gotta <laughs> re-roll uh peterson do you want to do a four-sided dice
12: yeah let's do a four, ski
13: i will be one two peterson will be three four okay it's three
12: all right i'm up i'm up baby
13: Up uh, at bat all right and the 20-sided <laughs> dice
12: For the genre.
13: Oh, a twenty is a building game? Holy shit. We just had that.
12: That's pretty funny. Um I have actually that's not a bad genre. There's been a couple building games that I have been had my eye on.
13: So that means that building is off and co-op is on the board. Okay. And then for a six-sided dice. Is a two, which means you can buy a building game. Okay. With a two, what was the one that I got recently? Oh, it was Raft. So yeah, it was really fresh.
12: That's that was crazy. well. You didn't get Raft for building. You got Raft for was it building? I no, survival. Know. Oh, which it was often survival. these so two go hand building. in hand.
13: That's what it was because I'm like all of these survival games are building games now.
12: Yeah, yeah 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 this often survival so games just are do also... building
13: okay cool they're just very similar gonna mm-hmm, wait mm-hmm. look what is happening here i don't know there's one there's buildings on here twice i'm removing building i think Oof. we did building was on here twice
12: oh dude we something really got like screwed, screwed up i'm gonna
13: have to go through and double check that these have not been screwed up over the years we've been using the same uh, google sheet for six years on this dice of destiny dude, that's so crazy uh it's a <laughs> little there's a few i don't think we've ever hit like story rich at 18
12: well um, i mean that's the dice the dice don't the want us dice to play don't that.
13: want us to play story rich games they want us to play they want peterson to play horror games
12: dude right now i will horror say horror right again. now i am playing with my son phasmophobia and really enjoying it oh nice. so i may i'll review that i'll review that at some point but uh yeah maybe horror's my thing now i just leaned into it
13: okay all right folks well that does it for us this week thanks for uh all of your listener questions that was super nice to not have to plan an episode because you did it for us you thank you uh we roped you in
12: (laughs) you didn't even know
13: gotcha good gotcha to play us out we've got some music from
12: elden ring
13: just for peterson it's the sanderson tunes um all right i'm Chady logging off
12: this is peterson going afk peterson productions oh yeah Welcome to another episode of the Gotcha Games Podcast. This episode happens to be a double Double ultra ultra rare. rare, so your chances of listening, if you're one of our patrons, is one in 2047, so if you're one of those, thanks for listening in, and I hope you enjoy it.
14: quit if you had a plan i feel like giving up is just you giving up no plan no nothing like you just left like you just said forget it like no, that's it's not, just that's not true. everything everything is just off deck that's like,
15: not true. i just think you, that's, can have, you, you can have a plan and it not work out and then you say you know what so you mm, come up with a new what plan that's i'm what, not doing that's
14: you. so you come with another plan but i do believe also too the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. So that's why I say altering your plan doesn't mean you're giving up. You're just making different adjustments to make sure you get there. And everybody's path is different. So never judge your plan to what the size What if you of revise
15: your plan like 16 times and it just doesn't work? Don't you think it's okay? It's time to let it go. That's not quitting. That's called I really do and it's just not working i feel like there's a big difference i mean it's like after one time you're like all right i'm done
14: that's I quitting that though it's just no because at the end of the day i remember people say i couldn't dance <laughs> they said i could not dance who said I that to you
15: do
14: freshman year i cannot dance you could you
15: could. You're I was like
14: I was very stiff, I had no rhythm, so like they would say, oh you' not you're not gonna do it, you're not gonna be good, you're not gonna make the dance team. However, I went to the dance studio every day every day and embarrassed myself mm-hmm. till I could dance. I, I didn't make the dance team the first time i i I didn't make it no, I did make it the second time, but on the second time, I didn't even make field for that entire year, but one time, but the next year. I made it on the field every time. So it comes with a discipline, a determination. As long as you have discipline and determination, you always gonna get to where you need to be. It just might take a little longer than where you want it to be, but it's God's timing.
15: Okay, I'm gonna make one more point. I'm gonna leave it alone. (laughs) That's just like, if I'm dating a man and he keeps doing me foul, and I keep you know, trying and trying to revise him to be a better person, and it's just not giving, Throwing the white flag and leave. That's oh, not quitting. No, no. that's called
14: knowing your self-worth. <laughs> no, that's no, a different
15: discussion. I'm that's I'm trying, I tried not, and I'm gone.
14: Yeah, no,
12: what
15: that's a different scenario. No, it's not. That's the same thing because you're saying, basically what you're saying is, if I don't give him like a chance 1,000, I'm quitting on him. And it's not, it's called I tried with you.
14: No, it's called knowing self-worth. So
15: know your self-worth with this plan and know that it's not going for you and leave.
14: But I mean, if you go in, it knowing your. I just feel like if you don't have any self worth, then of course you're going to be accepting because there's certain things that you will allow and there's certain things that you won't allow. And that's just that. And when you state that from the moment somebody meets you, then they're not going to play with you.
15: Okay, Mr. Fresh Beauty.
14: They're not going to play with you. You establish your boundaries, you establish what you want in life. That's one thing about it. I'm going to establish what I want in life. Now it's my turn.
15: It's not your turn. Yes, it is.
14: No, it's not. Yes. You
15: just answered a question.
14: No, that was your question, remember? What was the question? How do you handle conflict? Thank you. Be quiet, you
15: did (laughs) it. You did it too. Let me read. No,
14: this is mine. But I want Okay.
15: You already saw it. No,
14: see, no, you can't read that one because I didn't... My bad. Would you do a student leadership... A student leadership seminar for guys.
15: For just guys?
14: That's
0: what they
14: ask. I would. I would because um, I'm just open to it. Not too many people know what exactly are the components for leadership. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people genuinely don't know. Like, I love one thing about college that we all come from different atmospheres, different environments, different homes. So certain things is not going to be instilled. But however, I want to open up a safe space. Where we can all learn. Because quite honestly, I'm not going to act like I know it all. I don't know it all. Mm -hmm. I just happened to get my feet wet and then I jumped in the deep end when I became Mr. Freshman. However, I know I can use the skills that I already have and try to assist others and try to trailblaze the way forward. Like, I'm going to always do that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to always do that. Because I just feel like, I don't know, like people always try to say like good guys are corny.
15: They do say Like that, when right? I
14: speak, when I speak articulate, why do you have to use this big word? Why do you have to use that? But it's just me having a sense of mannerisms. You ever got
15: called
14: a Oreo? No, I never got called I a got Oreo. Called an Oreo. No, like I'm very no, I'm cultured. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> no, I got called that a
15: couple times. But
14: I mean, I don't know why people try to define you as trying to be white when you're trying to be artistic. or when you're trying to be proper.
15: Y'all saying that multiple times really downgrades our culture and our race. So basically what you're telling me is that in order for me to act like a black person, I have to talk like I'm illiterate, use a bunch of slang words, talk very, like, hoodish. And it's like, no, I can use all my syllables and still be very much African-American. I still have my black card.
14: Yeah, I mean, you just are able to close to it.
15: Exactly. And I
14: mean it's just essential. It's one of the key things that
15: of being us, black. Uh, yes,
14: of being black. Quite honestly, it's a key it's a key quality, it's a key aspect. So I just think that, you know, I think that you shouldn't be judged. And I mean quite honestly here at Union, you won't be judged. For trying to improve your professional development, so I definitely would say I would host a seminar. I am hosting a seminar soon called Crown Consciousness, Man to Man. So please show up to that. It is on Tuesday at four p.m. in large conference room. So
15: I would do it. I would be responsible for uplifting Black kings.
14: Yes, because we love our Black kings. Mm-hmm. We love our Black kings. I love
15: me some Black kings.
14: So I just will say that like. I definitely would do that. I'm definitely open to that. Okay,
15: right. I'm glad you're open to it. What made you want to run for Mrs. Sophomore?
14: Oh. What did make you want to run?
15: What made me want to run, Um, honestly, I'm just going to get this out the way. So, of course, a lot of people think, like, oh, you just want to run to, I guess, you know, be known or, you know, get a little clout to your name. And that's never been the case for me. Um, I actually could have ran for freshman year and I didn't want to because I was focused on my schoolwork and my sports. Like, seriously, I was. Such a
14: disciplined woman. I really was.
15: So, but honestly, I've always been into change. I've always been wanting to make a change. I've always been wanting to lead the pack. I've always seen myself, like, literally leading the pack. So when this opportunity kind of just, like, fell in my lap, people were like, you should really do it. And honestly, I'm not going to lie, I was terrified. I was like, I don't know, like, could I really do this? But, like, you know, had, like, the right support system tell me, like, Chloe, people, like, actually listen to you. People know who you are. Like, you have, like, low-key an impact. I said, you know, I'm going to do it. And if I win, I win.
14: And that's that's what's up. Like, if you win, you win. But I know you're going to win, so, like... That's that's just like... That's my opinion on it. Because we're going to speak the good affirmations. Especially in this space. We're always going to speak the good affirmations. So... That's what's up. Thank
15: you.
14: Do you want me to answer that question? Or... Yeah, you can, Wait. I don't think you
15: can. What made you... Well, I mean, I could
14: just flip it. Oh, yeah. What made me want to run for Mr. Sophomore is... I feel... It's because... I feel as though... Mr. Freshman... Allow me to like not only allow me but allow my class a space to just grow in a sense. Everything was pretty much new because we were working in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. The court is just it wasn't the regular court. So I know this year, if I can get the things I got done during my last reign during a pandemic, I know once the world opens back up, I'm gonna be unstoppable. So I definitely wanna just make a bigger impact, take it to another level. Because now it's like, I got my feet wet, I know what I'm doing. So now it's like, okay, how can we take this to another level, how we can strive to take Union up? So by the time it's time for me to go and it's my senior year, I can say I've impacted a few lives, quite honestly. So that's why I want to run for Mr. Sophomore to continue this impact, continue this momentum of leadership professional development, scholarship, student engagement, being able to meet new people, and being able to have a powerhouse network.
15: Okay. Let me pick it for you. I well, got one more. You got
14: two more. Ooh. 50-50! I'm nervous.
15: Don't be. Never be nervous. What things would you do to approve at... What would... I'm sorry you guys what are some things that you would do to improve at Union
14: I would first start with my students with my fellow classmates quite honestly I want to work on like you said being unified if I can host the fun programs the professional programs and host kind of in the middle programs that happy medium and people are coming out that's success to me that's how I feel like campus life is thriving Mm -hmm. because we're all taking something from this university in some way shape or form so I know hosting events but I feel like that just comes with the territory Mm -hmm. so that's just one of the things I would do to improve but I do know I want to implement more mass mandates because you know a lot of the times we can't go into certain buildings because we don't have the mask but at the same time there's masks not being provided mm-hmm. so it's like how can you say we need mass this we need mass that but you know the stores are pretty much far from union as well especially if you're a college student who doesn't have a car so i know one of the things i want to implement is mass being available for everybody and accessible to everyone in some way, shape, or form. Because then we're able to go to certain places without it being a hassle. Because I know certain students are just not even going to go because they don't even have a mask. People going to turn, turn them away at the door. Mm-hmm. So I definitely feel like that's one of the things I would do to improve union. I definitely want to work on more leadership positions for everybody besides Royal Court and SGA. I know we have internships here in the workforce office but I want to make sure like those resources are really being used because the more student leaders we have the more impact we can make so if there's there's opportunity then there is success so I definitely want to open up more opportunity so it can be more success so that's definitely another improvement I would like to make for Union lastly I would definitely say I want to keep the 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 train going with bringing different ideas up to the table i always ask students like what is the need like what do you need like far as dorm life calf life Mm -hmm. academic life how like do you feel underserved in any way shape or form because when you give me a new idea to help benefit you guys i'm always going to go to say hey dean i got this proposal
15: oh i got a new idea right now So I feel like we should have more hangout spots than just the game room. Like, we have a whole Panther girl upstairs, but it's closed. Like, why is it, like, is it, like, renovation? Like, why is it closed? Or is it just closed? I heard that it's closed because there's no one to work it.
14: Well, one of your duties when you become Miss sophomore is, like, when you hear certain things... You take it up to the administration. You take it up to your advisor. You see what exactly is going on. Because you also don't want to go by hearsay.
0: Because
14: mm-hmm. then you might have a misconception of your school. You might have a misconception of the administration. When you get clarification on what exactly is going on, then you're able to attack the issue the way you want to. And then you're able to make those improv... The, the improvisation... Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Okay. The improvisation of the school. So, definitely get clarity of the issue. Figure out how you can attack it and do it the right way. Like it's a protocol to everything. That's one of the things. One of the things I learned about Mr. Freshman. Like I remember one time I didn't like the macaroni and cheese in the calf A lot of people. I thought it was nasty.
15: It's not nasty.
14: But you know what I did? No. I went ahead. I talked to the supervisor. And I said, you know, like, I really didn't enjoy the macaroni and cheese today. And she asked me, like, what exactly was wrong with it. And I told her, like, it could be a better consistency um, and a different type of taste. And the next week, the macaroni and cheese was (laughs) better. Then last week. You did
15: not complain about the macaroni and cheese.
14: I did. Are you for real? I'm so serious. You
15: only complain. But that's...
14: No, but I was concerned because, like, everybody felt like it was nasty that week. So, like, I just wanted to make sure... That things are getting done but you get how like it was a protocol mm-hmm. that I had to do to get there versus going on social media and saying
15: it's nasty oh this school nasty I can't believe bad I can't
14: believe like I spent 30k here at this school and I got nasty macaroni and cheese well it's
15: 25 so it's
14: certain it's just certain depending on the dorm you live in hello 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 no but it's all about the protocol when you stick to a certain protocol then you're able to get things done faster Mm-hmm. so that's just something I invite you to consider as far as when you step into your position as Miss sophomore
15: y'all he only complained because he can't cook crafts
14: whatever <laughs> you got another question
15: I do I got two more Ooh, child. what is your favorite artist
14: that was your question Chloe. <laughs>
15: My favorite artist, personally, I love Mariah Carey. Love me some Mariah. We belong together,
5: baby. When, when you lost, I lost a part of me. It's just so hard I to believe. believe.
15: Come, Come back, baby. baby, please, cause we, we belong together, together, baby. Oh, my God, they know when times us? around. Who's gonna talk to me till the side goes up? No, I ain't playing. <laughs> How about
14: you? My favorite artist is J-Cole. He just said to himself, he don't bother nobody. And that's what I like about him.
15: Really, J-Cole? Mm-hmm. Can you pick another one? No. Pick an R&B artist that you like.
14: Why do I... You asked me what my favorite artist was, and now you trying that's to make That's your
15: people... rap artist.
14: Pick an R&B artist. It, isn't, it wasn't that specific, quite honestly. But since we are talking about R&B... I like Brent Fias. Nobody, no Brent Fias. I, I don't know
15: that well. I don't know him that well.
14: Um, you well, you be you better find out about him. I don't.
15: I can't sing a song because.
14: Oh, uh, okay. Well, you need to get on Brent. But
15: I love the song "A Thousand Miles." <laughs> Must forget.
14: Chloe has a very eccentric taste and music. Quite my taste honestly. in music is
15: beautiful. It's the classic Quite
14: eccentric. Um my last question is drum roll please. <laughs> what is your mission and objective if you do not win? Mr. Sophomore, quite honestly, if I do not win, I will say, you know, everything happens for a reason. And with that being said, I will still continue my objective and goal to enhance the professional development of student leaders here. So, you know, I just always want to be able to be a guy, always being able to be a resource because I know certain things that I just know. In some things, it's just natural leadership skills that I have. So I will just continue to be a resource, and I also will still try to host programs. Because I mean, Mr. Freshman, you don't, Mr. Freshman don't, make, Mr. Freshman don't make me. Mr. Sophomore don't make me. I make the position.
0: Mm-hmm.
14: It's not about the crown. It's not about the sash. It's beyond that. That's why I started this podcast, y'all. Quite honestly, for you to get my perspective on things beyond that. It's about the service. It's about the work. I was working and doing service before I came into Mr. Freshman. I was an Eagle Scout. Only 4% of Eagle Scouts are black men. So, like, that's like a high honor in that community. So, it's like, I've always been serving. I've always had a heart for service. So, quite honestly, it doesn't matter if I'm Mr. Sophomore or not. I'm always going to serve Class 25. I came in serving class 25 so you know and I want to say thank you to my class for recepting my help as well though okay so that's
15: cool
14: like the the mission the objective that don't stop at all like, mm-hmm. it don't stop at all
15: so, the
14: marathon continues the marathon continues so
15: yeah
14: what about your last question Chloe
15: Okay, how
14: about the say, I
15: don't want to answer that. I don't want
14: to think about it. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to let you think on it. My last question Yodeling, please. I'm not yodeling. <laughs> I'm not
15: yodeling. Dang, I gave you a drum roll. I want to yodeling. Yodeling. <laughs> <laughs> e forever.
14: All right.
15: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like this question. How did you get to be so confident? I think this is like a great way to end it off. I'll give y'all some gems. So, the way I got to be really confident, honestly, was when you, like, honestly, like, and it sounds like I'm telling you, like, when people, like, growing up, you hear your parents say like the most cliche things to you and you just think like okay you're just saying it but now i'm telling you like once like you really tap into who you are and like once you really realize that nobody can bring it to the world like you can it does something to you well it does something to me like when i was younger i used to get picked on about everything like mostly my skin tone i like literally i hated the fact that i was a brown skin girl
14: i hate that for you
15: i really because
14: you know chocolate
15: is amazing yes Gorgeous. So,
14: how did she build her self confidence?
15: Um, so, actually, it was after I had transferred to school. So, when the first high school I went to was, it was predominantly white. I mean, there of course like were black kids, but like it was predominantly white. But I transferred to um, early college high school at Delaware State University. So, I was on Delaware State University's campus for high school, and that's a an HBCU. So, I remember just like you know walking around their campus, going to classes in their buildings. And it was this girl. It's this one girl. One girl can change your life. Well, a person can change your life. I'm walking. All I hear is, "You're so beautiful. I love your skin." And once she said that, and I was just like, it just kind of clicked. Like, oh shit, I got some pretty skin. And that just like stuck to me. And, like ever since, I just like genuinely believed it. And like I just started like watching people who looked like me. Like, oh, you're on a you're on a HBCU campus. You see black people all everywhere. I see people that look like me, embracing who they are, embracing their skin. Well, shoot, she's pretty. I'm just as dark as her. That means I got to be pretty, too.
14: Yes. I mean, color shouldn't be tied to beauty at all.
15: It shouldn't. But, like, when you hear every single day, like, oh, you're burnt. Oh, you're charcoal.
14: It's pretty, you know, Mm -hmm. demeaning.
15: Yeah, like, I really thought I was hideous.
14: But, I mean, people used to pick on me about my lips.
15: What's wrong?
14: They used to say when I was little that my lips was too big. Like, they they would say it's bigger than my face. I see your lips before I see you. And it's possibly because, like, I also had, like, a funny name. But it's an African name. My name is D2. And I should have said something about that. So, let me tie back. And this is a little off topic about change. My name is D2 Kasui. D2 stands for small axe with handle. Kasui stands for forest. Mm -hmm. So, when you cut the forest. It is a new one that grows. So my name means change, out with the old, in with the new. So. My
15: name means blooming joy.
14: Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Blooming joy. Mm-hmm. Salute. I'm Chloe. Mm. Okay. Blooming joy. <laughs> but yeah. Yes. Back so. to
15: back to the topic.
14: So.
15: But, yeah. Oh, so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously. Um, I really just it honestly like depends on who you hang around and like one thing about me like at my first high school I'm not gonna lie I was so at the time messed up in the head I was hanging around people who I knew were bad for me because I didn't want to be alone like I remember sitting in the um, counselor's office and he literally asked me he said if they make you feel so bad about yourself like if you're so miserable if all they do is just you know tear you down while you're around them and I swear to you on everything I really said because I have nobody else
14: but at the same time sometimes you better off being alone because when God removes certain people around you, he's giving you a space, again, to grow. Like you need some time to yourself, figure out what does Chloe want? What does Chloe need? What does Chloe, what what are you, he's preparing you for something.
15: 15 year old Chloe did not know none of those answers.
14: I'm pretty sure, like, but you just gotta realize like, What is God preparing me for When you get into those moments where God start removing people Because clearly when people want some good for you They want good for your self esteem They want good for your confidence Clearly they are trying to tear you down mm-hmm. Instead of building you up So you need to get out of that toxic space Because I already said What you speak Comes to existence So if people are constantly putting negative thoughts Into your head And then you start believing it Then you're gonna start behaving that way And then you're gonna start talking that way no, let me take that back. You're going to start talking that way, and then you're going to behave that way. So it's kind of a think, say, behave mm-hmm. mindset. This is what my dean, Miss Deborah Martin, taught me. is If you surround yourself by that negativity and always have people pouring negative thoughts in your head, and then, again, you start believing it, and then start saying it, and then you're going to start acting like that. If people tell me, I ain't nothing, I ain't nothing, I ain't nothing, I'm going to start believing that I'm not nothing. Then I'm going to say, you know what, I'm nothing. And then after that, I'm going to start acting and doing things as if I was nothing. Mm -hmm. So once you surround yourself about people who say, you know, you will, you can, you can, you will, then you're going to start seeing and enjoying the fruits of your labor. So I would just, you know, like when you do, everybody is afraid to be alone, Mm -hmm. whether they want to admit it or not however you shouldn't be you should embrace that time but also i'm an only child so i've spent a lot of time by myself yes so it's just like being in that space too i benefit from that Mm -hmm. because certain people don't get that opportunity to be better so
15: mm-hmm. so and bro like and like honestly dealing with that and like as like harshly as i did it really did grew me to be who i am today and um like i said like once like i started realizing like bro i am freaking like gorgeous like my cheekbones though like honestly i'm a monster now like they created a monster how many times do i post myself a day I'm
14: just a straight monster like <laughs> straight
15: monster. like literally if straight i see monster. a mirror i'm stuck there for like 10 minutes
14: nah you are, but I love that about you though, like don't let nobody dictate who you are or how you see yourself because at the end of the day, as long as you have a strong mindset and you have a strong spirit, can't nobody tell you anything. Mm-hmm. The world is yours, you take it, you own it. That's all it is to it. So that's just you know a couple of things I invite you to consider. Um, do you have any more questions? no so what is your platform
15: so my platform i think i already said this but my platform is embracing the unique so it kind of it it really does tie into what i kind of went through as a child i want to bring it to college um like i really i don't like i don't like clicks i don't like people having to really change who they are to fit in and like i guess it gets a survival tactic but it shouldn't have to be a survival tactic what are we surviving for this is not the hunger games we all need to embrace each other we all need to love one another we are one school one we are a small school so we have to see each other on the daily and then number two we really need to show panther love and panther pride i shouldn't see certain groups that like i shouldn't see sports over here and you know like i shouldn't see that like if we're we're in college we're not in high school so it's all about honestly bringing everybody together as one and really just embracing everybody i feel as if we should all sit at one table because nobody's better than anybody
14: Yeah, I feel that, I feel that, I feel that, I feel that. My platform is The Comeback Kid, keeping ideas diverse. Nothing will ever be the same. Ever. Ever. And that means more so like my previous platform was setting the tone for the future of VUU. And unfortunately, I feel as though it was kind of slowed down due to COVID. Mm
0: -hmm. Not
14: being able to host those programs at all in the fall. But being able to, you know, slowly, as the school reopens, do those programs towards the end of my reign, it was like a setback. But we coming back stronger than ever. Ever. And when I tell you I'm keeping these ideas diverse, like anything you want, if it's reasonable or within reason, I'm going to make it happen. In any way, shape, or form, I'm going to write that proposal. I'm going to have those meetings with the dean. Have the meeting with SGA so they can hear our needs. I'm gonna always keep those ideas diverse, and also I'm a creative. One thing about it, I'm gonna think outside the box. I know for homecoming, I'm introducing the idea of Union Shala, a week full of fun. You know how they had a festival and they get the little festival schedule. Mm-hmm. I want that to be like our homecoming. That's just a little idea that I have in my head, just something creative. So I always want to just bring new things to the table, always different things, like just for the betterment of our school and just. For us to have fun, but also grow. hmm Because the only time play come before work is in the dictionary. Okay? The only time play go before work. And quite honestly, I like to do both. Okay? If I can work in the beginning of my day and then have a good time and have a good event to follow right after a good seminar, then that's what I want to do. So, that's my platform That's how I want to keep ideas diverse. I feel as though I did a great job serving Virginia Union. I fed the homeless um, on Thanksgiving. I worked in the communities and assisted in fundraisers to help young African-American scouts go to summer camp. I fed the homeless. I feel like I represented Union very well. So, you know, I want to keep that greatness on. Like, you can't stop greatness. Like I said, whether if I get the position or not, my greatness will not be stopped. Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to shine. I'm going to continue to put in that work, put in that service, put in my best ability. Because when you pour everything that you have into something, you're going to enjoy the fruits of your latest later on. And that's all it is to it.
9: Amen.
14: So... I just will say, you know, thank you guys for tuning in to our Red Cup questionnaire. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your participation. And I appreciate you guys tuning in. I do have another podcast releasing on Wednesday. So please be prepared to listen then. And if you have any other questions, you can comment below on the podcast or DM me at B Like that is B-E-L-I-K-E-D-I-T-U. Thank you guys for tuning in. Chloe, any final remarks?
15: Yes, um, I really, I really enjoyed doing this. I like you said I enjoyed answering your guys' questions. And honestly, um, whether, like you said, whether I could position or not, I'm just I'm grateful that I honestly got to experience this and honestly got to talk to people about my plans because like fear like really has kept me from like opening up to people especially when it comes to things that i want to do because like well is people gonna like it or people gonna think it's stupid but honestly like being in the spotlight it has me like chloe what are you scared for just go out there and do it but you know power of the tongue so we are going to be your next mr and mrs sophomore hopefully
14: hopefully hopefully, hopefully no i'm gonna believe it i'm gonna achieve it
15: and you're gonna see it
14: and i'm gonna see it i'm gonna believe it i'm gonna achieve it and i'm gonna see it mm-hmm. i can i will i will the
15: comeback kids is coming and it's never gonna be the same
14: okay i like that mm-hmm. that's the best way to end that <laughs> girl words can express the way i feel for you I